All right, folks, we got a great episode for you. Uh, <laughs> this week, we talked to Sean McTiernan, our favorite guest, about Fred Durst's film The Fanatic, starring John Travolta and Devin Sawa. Uh, look, Limp Bizkit is a topic that's very near and dear to Sean's heart, so we just get to sit back and enjoy the show as Sean goes off, um, and we try to keep up. In the process of trying to keep up, I gotta admit, uh, some people catch some strays, <laughs> and I have to apologize in particular for, uh, to the ghost of Roger Ebert, I'm sorry for the stupid crap I said. Um, but this is an amazing episode. Uh, Sean's in rare form. We're having an absolute blast. Um, we talked about wrestling, we talk about new metal, we talk about Steely Dan. It's amazing. And stick around to the end. There's quite a revelation about the film, uh, The Fanatic, and, and who paid for it to be produced. Uh, don't know what else to say other than strap in for The Fanatic on Bodega Box Office. Because every movie in the 70s is your boyfriend or something. Fig jam. <laughs> Salah. Because it was made by Redbox. Neb... Chuppin? What time to go mobile? Big Jam Impresario. Limp Biscuit is just what happens to Guns N' Roses when projected through the vortex of Clintonism. The Fig Jam. Oh, don't blow me, man. Uh, but yeah, no, hey, I'm, I'm the blow him. Uh, spoiler. And then the end is like him, his wife comes in and is like, you got blown. He was like, that's not like that. Welcome to Bodega Box Office, it's a podcast about rap movies. What's a rap movie? It's a movie that was either written by, produced by, directed by, or starring a rapper. I'm the rap game, Jay Sherman. Over here, I have the rap game, Sandy Kenyon. What it do? And dialing in from parts unknown, the rap game, Wes Borland, Sean McTiernan is here. Hi. Hey, guys. First of all, uh, Ryan, let me commend you. I am 100% the West Borland of this yes. podcast. Everybody, <laughs> everything makes sense. And then you're like, why is that guy dressed as like a gay skeleton? What's, what's, <laughs> what? Please, like, very much the West, very much the please listen to my other bands uh, of of the of the podcast. Um, uh, oh, I don't want to be here. Oh, actually, it's the only one that's any crack. Um, but uh, yeah, no, this is, I'm extremely happy. We could end the podcast here and I'd be the happiest I've ever been. You know, I, I, I pat myself on the back for this one, honestly, because I've fucked it up with you so many times. I've said <laughs> so many dumb ones. John Delman, horrible one, especially now given the, the best, fact oh, that the, I finished the best the movie, movie of all time. The best yeah. movie of all time. Yeah, yeah. Which you correctly called out before, uh, five years before Twitter decided they were going to watch a good movie. So yeah, there you go. That's why I'm still breathing and Bob Ebert's deep six. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I'm still, that's why I'm, I'm, I've got the heat. I've got, I've I've got the pulse of the streets, you know. You so. still have a jaw too. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, listen, I'm not gonna. I'm not. Gonna, whoa. People like that guy. Okay. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go that far. Hey, not. Not. A, not a thing in Ireland, by the way. Not. Not. Not somebody. In fact, two thumbs up. Like that. That line in that damn fucking "Me and You, Baby, Ain't Nothing But Mammals" song. Now I'm Cisco. Mm -hmm. Now nobody knew what that meant. Oh fuck. Um, when, when I was in school, it just sounded like something. Everybody thought it was like a sex thing. Yeah, it's Bloodhound Gang. It's like, yeah, oh, Bloodhound another Gang. sex yeah. act. Oh, something crazy we're going to find out about. Once we find out what Pretty Fly for a White Guy is about, then we're <laughs> going to find out what this is about. Um, both musical forebears, of course, of who we're talking about today. 100%. Amazing segue. We watched The Fanatic from 2019, directed by one Fred Durst. And I guess we're here to ask the question, is Fred Durst a rapper? And immediately we're going to answer it. The answer is yes. Yeah, it's true. It's, it's very, called rap metal. Yeah, very right. much so. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, uh, this was Sean's idea um, because I, I hear he's a bit of a Limp Biscuit fan. You wanna, you wanna start from the beginning. Let's <laughs> let's take it all the way back to to age ten when when Sean yeah. first discovers Limp Biscuit, and we'll make this into the just like we did with Run DMC. This will be the definitive Limp Biscuit podcast. People, we're gonna cover it all. Okay, Dateline, 1999. It's Kilkenny, Ireland. There is a 10-year-old who is so angry, he's trying to manifest Columbine in his own head. Um, <laughs> he hates everything and everyone, and suddenly the carrying call of, all right, partner, you know what time it is. Did I know? I soon would. <laughs> Keep on rolling, baby. Um, and then I heard, but this is the thing. I have liked Limp Bizkit since I was 10. I said this before we started recording. They've been one of my top five bands since when I was 10. And probably if I answered honestly between any time between then and now, they still would be. I have a more meaningful, long-term and nuanced relationship with the song Break Stuff than I do with anybody I am related to by blood. That's just true. Um, I I have um, thought about Limp Bizkit so much. They were like, because imagine not knowing, like uh, there's a Rob Hervilla, the music critic, has this point that like Ice Ice Baby is a the be- a better song the less you know about rap music. So if right. you've never heard about rap music before, and then you're like, check this guy, <laughs> this is unbelievable. <laughs> like it sounds, it feels like the best song of all time. That's what like Limp Bizkit because I'd never heard heavy guitars really, I'd never heard swearing on a song, I'd never heard fucking. I never had a lad dressed as a, you know, gay Scottish skeleton or whatever. Wes Borland will get into that, um, and like fucking rapping over a thing and saying I fucking hate you, like everything. It just coalesced for me, being like, this is the exact right band at the right time. Wow. And I still, still think that any cr- that the cultural cringe around Limp Bizkit, where people. You know, people will cop now. You'll notice that suddenly about five years ago, everyone was like, oh, Corn had a few good old songs. You got the life, you know. Right. Had a few good songs. It's not, it doesn't happen with Limp Bizkit. People are steadfast, the, the, the culture. That means they did their job. To be truly of your era, you have to be unreconstructible. You cannot be that. So you can't, in the same way that you can't make the Bay City Rollers make sense anywhere other than England in the 70s. You know, you 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 can't. You just Limp Bizkit just was that time, and 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 that that fucking vibration, right? Like, and you even think of like how it sounds, the the sentiment in it. You know, if you're like ten and you hear like, you know, fucking like I'll break your fucking face, and I'm like, skin yes. your ass raw. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've got chains. So, like, it's just it, they are so good. And so weird. And I mean, this stayed with me when I was a teenager, because if you say, oh, a band that was kind of influenced by um, like a metal, alternative metal, riding on Rage Against Machines, coattails, singer is a meathead who was in the Marines for a couple of years, guitarist is into really weird occult stuff, and then bass player and drummer are kind of actually really, really, really proficient muso prog guys. Um, and they make like, very strange, long concept albums. That's Tool. That's a description of Tool. <laughs> but it's also a description of Limp Biscuit. And don't think when I realized that I didn't point that out all the time. Um, uh, and, like, they got the terrible... The Thinking Man's Tool. That's what yeah, exactly. They're Tool for people. And 
uh, there is some debate about this, who aren't rapists. Now, <laughs> the, 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 thing, the way that um, Limp Bizkit exists now in the cultural imagination is as the people that came out during Woodstock 99 and, like, if you believing some reports, unveiled a giant gong with rape on it and started banging it and everybody <laughs> and, and, and started... They ended the 90s, basically. That's the, 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 the breakdown. And I, again, Rob Harbilla, who I was listening to before that, said this. Some people regard them as having ended the 90s, basically, with the breakdown of break stuff on Woodstock 99. What's interesting to me about that also, this is why Limp Bizkit are so, they're so weirdly commercial and so far somebody. You know, like, that's what's so interesting about them. Like, there's a, such a huge audience for them and nobody can really... <laughs> It's like, you know, no one really knows what to do with the, the information that, like, the guys who came out of a giant novelty toilet and said, if I say fuck one more, more time, that's 46 fucks in this motherfucking rhyme. Like, that, there are millions of people that were like, finally. Um, you know? <laughs> like, like, that, like, this is that, for me. That, yeah, they were like, this is this guy saying what I'm saying, you know? And, like, and, and then you have, of course, you know, you have DJ Lethal, who I haven't mentioned so far. The one thing that really distinguishes them for, from Tool, um, who is very much... So, you know, you know um, Talking Heads, yeah? The band yes, Talking Heads? Vaguely right, so, aware. Yeah, so there's this band called Talking Heads, right? Which is for just people that don't want to go that extra few racks to the world music section. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and just want to hang out, get all their stuff in a nice, safe environment and leave. You know, lovely. Um and um, and people for who you know listen. I'm, there's nothing wrong with talking heads. Eventually, people see sense and listen to Laurie Anderson, and that's fine. But Jerry <laughs> Jerry Harrison is in Talking Heads, right? Jerry Harrison is also the the keyboard player in the Modern Lovers, right? This is DJ Lethal. DJ Lethal is the DJ in Limp Bizkit. He is also the DJ in House of Pain. This is the same. This is a mirror career. A guy playing the same instrument in totally different contexts, in very cultural, intersecting, but very, very opposite ways. So right. even that, even the fact that DJ Lethal is the Jerry Harrison of the, the late 90s, early 2000s, that's interesting. Well, you House know? of Pain, right? So, okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, well, oh, you, you, sorry, do you prefer another one of the shenanigans? <laughs> what, what's your preferred House of Pain song? No, I was just, I, I just don't think we said the name House of Pain, did we? <laughs> no, I did, yeah. Most oh, of you did? Okay. Oh, okay, man, okay. I came to get down. But I'm out. Like, uh, and that's another, that's another song where you hear it and you think, I've never heard this song before, but right. this, song was, this, this song was playing when the fucking guy in the ape suit threw a bone up in the air like this is how long an elemental song that has always existed similar to break stuff or my generation you know and limp biscuit what i love about limp biscuit is that you have those really proficient musicians right the bass player and the drummer the bass and the drums are like they're like tool but tasteful right like and I'm, that's not even really a joke that is what they're doing but then you have wes borland who wants to be a zany kind of buckethead style technical guitarist. That's what he wants, you know? Um, and like all of those guys, the best thing to do with that is to punish it. But instead of just punishing that impulse to be like a zany, super technical guitarist with just physical pain, they somebody punished him by also giving him the Mark Boland fingers. 
and it's like a guy cursed with Mark Boland fingers, where it's like he wants to do all this two hand top and stuff and whatever, but he t- picks up the guitar and all he can do is fucking burr, burr, which is not those aren't even notes, you know. And that's one of the, that's one of the best riffs of all time. It's just a lad hitting something twice, you know. Right. And that's that's fucking get it on, bang a gong. That's what Wes Borland is. Wes Borland is a guy who has been you know almost through someone has has freed him from sin and honed whatever it is he does into mark boland and made some of the most indelible like look whatever you say about corn like having a few good hooks and whatever sure okay feel the you know fucking whatever you know he's got his own hairdresser to get but of any of the new metal bands lincoln park um i don't want to say anything too harsh about lincoln park it's good that guy's dead. And like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the new metal bands, they have, there's a few, oh, everyone says, oh, snot's good. Uh, see above. But it, <laughs> it, it, the, the, the best hooks are the Limp Biscuit hooks. They're the longest, they're the longest last one. They'd make sense if you played them on a fucking ukulele. Right. Um, uh, and, and that's why I always come back to them. Even Rage, say like Rage, I listen to a lot. Rage, Undeniably one of the great bands of the 90s. Undeniably probably one of the most important bands when you want to think about music because they show demonstrably that lyrics do not serve a political function. Because any like all of the people committing the crimes that Rage complain about listen to Rage Against the Machine. So you like you can you can almost they're like a one band argument for music's a bit more complicated than that, you know, in, in right. terms of whatever. Even them and and like just the fucking instrumentation, the way they play is incredible. But I dip out in and out of them more than I always break stuff is one of my most listened to things of the year, you know? And like if you think about it in, in elemental terms, right? Say like and it's referenced in the film, which we are talking about a film, the fanatic, you know. There's a bit in the film where um John Travolta starts punching a piano. Um, yeah, yeah and he's he doing pl- little improv bits. He does, in there. he does great balls of fire. Yeah, it was Jerry Lee Lewis. Rest yeah. in power. Which is, which is, yeah, yeah. Speaking yeah, of free, sex crimes, rest in power, Jerry Free to homie, free to homie. Glad you both said something worse than me. Uh, just <laughs> talking shit about Ebert's jaw. Uh, um, <laughs> but uh, I don't know what you're talking about. But uh, but anyway, yeah, free Jerry Lee Lewis from hell. Um, yeah, everybody loves their cousin. Anyway, like, look, so. The thing about Jerry Lewis is if you look at early footage of him playing Great Balls of Fire on a TV show, right? You have a guy who looks like an incredible, one of the most incredibly unpleasant types of um, white guy dressed as a caricature of what people are afraid of, of the idea of a black performer playing a song that has the dumbest lyrics of all time, right? So say, say Great Balls of Fire, like... This is a song where a guy is being like, oh, I'm about to fucking come. And I've chosen to illustrate this to sing about Great Balls of Fire. By the way, I'm doing this in the country that committed mass death with the, with the atomic bomb less than 10 years ago. Like that level of tastelessness, right? But it's not just that. The other Jerry Lee Lewis. Person, He's redhead adjacent, to be fair. This is it. <laughs> but still, you know what he was really talking. Look at his eyes. They don't call him. They, don't call, they called him killer. They didn't call him fucking maroon or whatever. But <laughs> the reason that it, it, what I thought was interesting, that he bought up Great Balls of Fire right in the song, which we'll talk about the film in in, in a second. We'll get there. Is that 
Jer- that Jerry Lewis song is good because it feels like an entire song is vibrating out of a horrible man, right? Like that, like it feels like he is, and he's not even he's not saying anything particularly of substance. He's doing stuff going woo, like he's literally like sounds like a weird horny ghost, but it's like he's a tuning fork, and they have put him into the medium of music, and everything has cohered around him, right? Fred Durst is the same way. Fred Durst says nothing for songs. Like, now, he has a gift for stupid couplets, which I remember for the rest of my life. Limited, which still persists to this day, by the way, that ever since the first time I heard the song Dad Vibes from the album Limp Biscuit Still Sucks that came out last year, I have reflexively said everybody bounced to the franchise in agreement with stuff my wife has said uh, to her uh, sadness um, all the time. Because <laughs> Fred Durst can just produce these fucking stupid new era committed singing about his hat things at will, apparently. But he's not saying much, but it's the rhythm of his voice. It sounds like instead of him going over a track, and this is what really, really, this is why he's a rapper. right? There's really, really good rap music. It sounds like it starts at the voice, to me anyway. This is why producers who also uh, rap have an, an advantage like Doom and, you know, Pimp C, where they sound like the snare is coming out of their heart, basically, or out of their chest, you know, and they and they can they lock in like that. All of the weird noises, all of the, like, um, Wes Borland's genius for, like, guitar, like, little fills and stuff, which are just percussive fills instead of little notes and stuff, all sound like grunts and weird shit coming out of stupid Fred Durst's mouth and mind. It's like watching the most elaborate, weird, like, spell or robot surrounding an idiot. Like, surrounding a truly stupid person. And, like, that is what just pre-9-11 culture, essentially, was, <laughs> anyway. So, and especially post-9-11 culture. So, like, that's that's it. That's why I like Limp Bizkit, I think, you know? <laughs> Yes! Oh, that was a hell of a Astounding. Astounding. Oh, my God. Well, I mean, I have a couple things that jumped out at me there. Uh, The idea of punishing, you know, your artistic impulses, uh, that's something I think might speak to Anthony because when you got into guitar, didn't you want to also just be the theory guy? Well, I just (laughs) thought, I thought that, like, there were so many bad guitar players, so what you should do is try to learn how to play guitar instead of just, like, banging out, like, easy songs that you like the sound of like most of my worst decisions in life are a reaction to things that are in fact stupid and wrong and shitty it's just the wrong reaction and then later i learn oh that's why that idea was almost as stupid and wrong as shitty as what i was reacting to yeah yeah i mean like that's no that's totally fair and that's why it reminds me of um when i was in a band as a teenager there was a band from um, Kilkenny called Dumbstruck where the guy was trying to do a Sonic Youth style like noise solo because a weird bit of like um, happenstance is the eighth fast guitarist in the world or something lived in Kilkenny and gave everyone lessons. So there was this weird focus on like technique in bands, (laughs) not the bands I was in, in other bands. And this guy was trying to act against that. But he didn't realize that that was all done with pedals. So he would just do solos where he would play whatever note. And it just sounded like total shit. So he was like trying to get there, but using the wrong means. So I totally understand. <laughs> I totally understand. Well, but, but I think it, like, sorry, go ahead. 
Well, if you, sorry, if you, but if you had to characterize Limp Bizkit's sound like outside of Fred's voice, it is that weird, slappy kind of atonal. I don't know how to describe it. It sounds like Fieldy's bass being miked outside of the actual amp. You know, yeah, that like, thing well, that West Borland's doing, which is not like technical. It's just experimental in a weird way. Well, I mean, not to not to um, sound like I'm a complete psychopath or anything. But it's the bit in Great Balls of Fire where the entire band as one goes do 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 do, and like yeah. it, 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 it's it, that's what it is. That's what that is. It's everybody just hits the same fucking thing at the same time. Is like the big limp biscuit, which is you know? sick. Like, that is it, some it's sick unreal. Shit. Like because yeah. they're all, they're all. You have to be incredibly technical musicians to play music as stupid as Limp Biscuit play, <laughs> which right. sounds like a kind of a really smoke thing. But like John Motto, John Otto. You know, who, who famously takes us to the Matthews Bridge, you know, on my generation. But you listen to Break Stuff, like, that's the best drumming possible for that song. And that is crucially, it's an incredibly stupid song that is not, it's not like Louie Louie, where it's the ramshackle nature of it is what propels it forward. And I think this is why there's a kind of still critical queeze about it, right? That it's not like, there, you can't just go like, oh, those big meatheads or whatever, because it's too technically proficient for that, right? It's too, yeah. like, like you listen to, especially, there's, there's a fucking, the, the new song on um, Limp Biscuit Still Sucks, the, second, uh, the big single off that, fantastic name for an album, by the way. Great name. Uh, um, great shitty cover, too. The cover's so bad. It's great. <laughs> it is horrible. <laughs> and, like, I mean, this is, for 10 years, they said they were making this album called Stampede of the Disco Elephants, and then they came out and were like, oh, no, actually, it's just called Still Sucks. <laughs> and, um, but, yeah, they, 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 what's the big single off it? It's Because they made this for 10 years, and it just sounds like fucking Limp Bizkit. Like, yeah. it sounds like, it's, is it out of style? It has the most bizarre Wes Boren, like, slidey Japanese hardcore um, guitar line. But it sounds like he's playing Blitzkrieg Bop because of what the band can do with the. So he can play really weird shit. Wait, wait! They cover the best in excess song. Okay, I mean, yeah. they make they don't change, Anthony. Oh my god! <laughs> the word is improve, right? Um, Holy they, shit! They, okay, sorry. Continue. <laughs> um, wow. But cute. but even like like you see like that they have that amazing like. Uh, out of style, oh, a, man, what a song! It is out of style, um, yeah, I think it's. But out of, out of style is no, but it's just such a good song. <laughs> oh, like cool. they, um, they like the, the lyrics of out of style. Hold on, let me let me, let me pull up the uh, lyrics. And Howard Stern here. I'll just Google lyrics and read them out. Um, uh, but uh, it, they're extremely funny. Like they know they did an interview in like the mid two thousands. Wes Borland, who keeps leaving Limp Bizkit. Did an interview and he was and they were like, "When's new material coming out?" And he was like, "Nobody wants to hear new Limp Bizkit material." <laughs> like, he said that like that to an interviewer. He was like, "Oh yeah, everyone wants to hear the new Limp Bizkit song." Um, but um, I had like, never realized until this ten minute uh, just thought vomit that basically Limp Bizkit is just what happens to Guns and Roses when projected through the vortex of Clintonism. Okay. Like the Fred Durst, Axl Rose, and the West Borland Slash, and like, I mean, even like the idea of playing fucking uh, um, Jump Around while uh, you've got DJ Lethal in the band, like, it's really no different than doing like all of the spaghetti incident. Like, it's really weird. I don't have nearly enough brain cells to tease this out. 
And it might just be that I'm slightly older and slightly dumber than you, Sean. So the timelines line up of my Limp Bizkit being Guns N' Roses. But there's something there that I'm going to drive my wife fucking crazy with for the next week. I think the important thing for me is that I think that Guns N' Roses are complete dog shit. <laughs> um, I, I wouldn't listen to them with your ears like I couldn't I for me they're like like music sounds like this is this gets weirder the more I think but really for me at a baseline guitar music has to sound like Limp Bizkit first <laughs> <laughs> then, like, like, like heavy music like it's such an anathema because you have two layers of cringe when it comes to Guns N' Roses for me, which is that obviously Limp Bizkit thought they were idiots. They probably didn't. They probably covered them and stuff. I know Fred Durst has a massive Axel Rose tattoo, um, but oh. um, and a massive Kirk Cobain tattoo. Um, uh, subtle man, but uh, I um, I, I mean, ex Marines have terrible tattoos. What can you say? Uh, yeah, oh no, sorry, it's a massive Elvis that. tattoo. It's a massive Elvis tattoo. My, my, uh, but if only he had a massive Jerry Lee Lewis tattoo and I could have really been getting somewhere. But, uh, but well, I can yeah. make this whole thing worse, too, if you want me to. I can help. Well, that's, all I'm, that's what it's about. Well, I've been, list- I've been like educating myself on the Misfits and the Replacements a lot lately. And the Replacements and the Misfits cross the Guns N' Roses timeline like pretty yeah, clearly two places where like... Uh, Guns N' Roses cover the Misfits on the Spaghetti Incident, right? And then the Misfits sue each other to see who gets paid from it. That's one thing. Um, <laughs> and then the other thing is that Tommy Stinson from The Replacements was the basis for all of the like worst decisions of Guns N' Roses. Am I correct, yeah. Anthony? Yeah, The like, Chinese yes. democracy era until... Until they finish the album and just bring back Duff McKagan to get yeah, paid. Like, bring out yeah. the and, cool guy. Bring out the cool guy. <laughs> and then the... the the thing that I learned about the replacements and Anthony is much more educated in, you know, guitar based drums music than I am. But what I found is that there are a bunch of shitheads who also just at every turn will punish their own ambition. Maybe not like artistic ambition, but like ambition towards success. They'll just completely self-destruct every time and they'll get in their own way and they'll fuck up their record deals. They'll fuck up their shows. They just a lot of survivor's guilt with the replacements. That's a good way to put it. Cause it is, it does seem like a very guilty drunk yeah. kind of, uh, inwardly angry thing. Um, survivor's yeah. guilt is the best two word summary of replacements. I think I've ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank yeah. you. I, I've um, made I, up I, for myself, my terrible guns and roses analogy. Uh, no, no, your guns and roses analogy probably worked. I'm just saying I was too stupid. I'm too mired in having to watch a guy play fucking sweet child of mine before giving me my fucking bass back. An indelible teenage moment for me that happened multiple times. Like, okay, man, I get it. Uh, but, um, <laughs> and like, when someone's playing an instrument in front of you, you cannot speak to them. You yeah, think no. you can't, they can't hear you. It's, it's the worst uh, <laughs> fucking thing ever. I hung out with too many fucking guitar players. No, awful. they're awful. But I think what's what, what I love about the Misfits personally is that they have every single aesthetic thing to be a perfect, like, legendary mythic two song band like the like the screamers you know where they yeah. had this look they had fucking cool cough and their we best buy, shit that's or, their yeah, best yeah, shit yeah cool cough or we buy or bullet but if, if they only released bullet they would there would be indisputable that would be the greatest american punk song of all time right, right. i still think it is probably um, so just because i'm obsessed with jfk or whatever but um <laughs> but because 
helpful because the misfits are a band led by Glenn Nancy. They basically have this really, really cool thing that they fucking spunk up the wall by being idiots from New Jersey and they run it like it's fucking Great White or something, where they're all suing at each other, blowing up walking out of the band. Glenn's like, I'm a Dracula now. So, like everything is so embarrassing. Jerry only's like, the only thing I can Jerry only, you mean fucking Jerry reps because I'm I'm still <laughs> I'm the strongest man alive and like they take your, your phone now if you go see the misfits Glenn is, just went through every funny thing that's ever happened to Glenn had some curse put on him where something hilarious and embarrassing had to happen to him every six weeks for 20 years like yes. where he was like getting knocked out or that hilarious story about how um you're, you're, you both know the story about um, the bricks and Glenn Danzig, right? Yeah, I heard about the bricks. Where yeah. who was it? Beck talked shit about his bricks or something. And no, it, it was, like it was someone who lived on his road, uh, on his street. The, the, like the residents' association complained about a house that was, and it was Glenn Danzig's house. But they weren't like, but Glenn, it was like their houses and shit covered the bricks up, and he protested. But they, they said, no, you're gonna have to take these bricks off. So apparently. He got like a trailer or whatever and loaded while screaming abuse at the entire neighborhood the whole time. Oh. Like, oh, I'm just taking my bricks up. <laughs> like a, a tiny five foot two guy called Glenn who he's thinks he's the, Dracula. The Paul Rudd thing screaming from with rage summer. about his fucking bricks. Like it's, um, <laughs> he's such a special, special figure. Um, also a film director, which. Uh, oh God. Yes. I've heard that's, that's quite the thing. Yeah. Yeah. And what's it called again? Ver, uh, Veronica is that Veronica, yeah, which yeah. which is also uh, no. Hold on, I think Veronica might be his second film. Oh, um, sick! I, I think like because Veronica is also the name of his comic company. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. An extremely funny person to have a comic company, by the way. Both seen as a large portion of his income comes from two famous logos: the Danzig logo and the Misfits logo. Uh, both, well, sorry, the Misfits logo is ripped off an old film. But the Danzig logo is traced from an old comic, like in, in what has to be an extremely illegal way. Um, That's funny yeah. that one is a cash cow and the other one is like, pay, it's just a legal drain on him. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, That's just, great. That's such like, a Glenn Danzig oh, thing man. to happen. Like, what a hilarious every, man. Just to, I Glenn Danzig is, is like on his Wikipedia, he has paid someone to say that he was compared to Elvis Presley, Jim Morrison and Howlin' Wolf. Which like like no he doesn't yeah. he sounds like a guy in a fucking he sounds like a guy in a um, new wave of a British heavy metal tribute band who's oh, got his so dick does. caught in a fucking guitar and has somehow decided <laughs> like to Raven rocking. like he's like yeah. the guy from Raven or something like I want that yeah no I love I love the Misfits man um, but sadly. There is very little of the, although I, I'm sure Fred Durst has a Fiend Club tattoo. Um, who, who doesn't? <laughs> Henry Rollins does. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Henry, did, you know, there's a whole comic about um, Henry Rollins and Glenn Danzig being married. Right. Like, yeah, and a lot. I've of, heard like, that, and I, yeah. I heard someone showed it to Glenn, and uh, he was no, not happy. No, no. So well, maybe they did, but the story I read was someone showed it to Henry Rollins. Oh, that's who it was. And his only reaction was, "Has Glenn seen this?" Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I I don't know if he'd have a sense of humor about this. To be honest with you, yeah, he said so. Yeah, he said Glenn doesn't have a sense yeah. of humor. Or Glenn, yeah, Glenn, yeah, this isn't the kind of thing Glenn does. <laughs> um, Jesus God, I yeah, love he would drop know. his kitty litter in the crosswalk. <laughs> but but you know what? Like all of that stuff, and it's the same. Fred Durst, moron, terrible film, awful taste, or whatever. Has right. anyone? Has anyone like 
there are very few people that can claim to come up with a better lyric than Texas is the reason that the president's dead. Like that, like that's such a fucking cool. As I said, if people would be talking about the misfits if it was cool cough and bullet and they just had that look and never appeared again it'd be like the screamers times 10 people would be fucking there'd be documentaries of lads going to try to find people would be obsessed with it because it's too per- like maybe i'm biased because there's this um there's this band called dow right oh like, yeah 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 these uh, i'm sure you know that they're uh kind like of uh Doom, um, slow, fast, death, uh, black metal. Somehow, somehow they're yeah, slow like and Doom fast rock kind of sludge. Time. They're from New Orleans, so they make sludge music. But like, they're they're also, I would say, only barely borderline uh, eco terrorist beliefs. Like the kind of guys that like blow up oil derricks and stuff. <laughs> um, really serious, straight edge, um, muso guys put out loads of music. I saw them play a set of Misfits covers in a skate park in Holland a few years ago. Um, that sounds amazing. And they played them at misfit speed. Like it wasn't <laughs> like, ha ha ha, we're slowing it down. And hearing Glenn Danzig's lyrics delivered by someone, A, who cares? And, <laughs> and B, who can sing like an actual Dracula, like the fucking Dow guy. Like, and it was just transformative. It was the best thing I've ever seen. That's um, fucking amazing. But, uh, but yeah, anyway, I guess, you know what? I hate to be the bearer of bad news. But we have been talking for half an hour and have not mentioned the film yet. <laughs> All um, right, Anthony, you want to hit the plot? Of this oh thing gosh. that we watch. Nice. Oh, um, <laughs> I'm generally not prepared for the plot lately, but especially after that with that pivot. Um, <laughs> yeah, breakneck uh, shit, man. Get yeah. ready, strap in. That's what broadcasting's about, Anthony. Yeah, yeah, that's how we do yeah, it here. You better be ready. Hit fair. the post. Hit the, Let's hit go. the post. Hit the phone. <laughs> uh, John Travolta is neuroatypical and obsessed with uh, nice. Nice an actor job, who is an asshole. And when he finds out he's an asshole, he ends up uh, stalking him. That's essentially the movie. Yeah, That's really more plot it. than the film actually really has, to be honest. Because like, <laughs> this is not a film where a lot of things happen. Um, Ugh, no. Yeah. Uh, how did we get here? Like, I didn't even know Fred Fred Durst directed other movies, so I'm like catching up at a very rapid pace here. Talking about Breakneck. How, what 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 does? <sighs> Can you not imagine famous guys thinking this is the best idea ever? Well, yeah, it has that Hollywood pat on the backiness that yeah. like. I'm just watch, I'm watching a lot of David Cronenberg lately, and I'm like, I wish he uh, took a crack at this idea a little bit. I mean, he did in his movie, but like in, I, I wish I just wish I wish he was there. I bring a little more Canada into this. I wish Dave was here. Yeah, I, I, my buddy I, Dave would have uh, handled this much better. Yeah, I think the thing is, like I, I've seen people talk about the fanatic, which is yeah, it's John Travolta plays. Um, yeah, uh, an autistic. It's it's autism. He's got autism. But he's never. I, it's never. It's said never that explained. He's autistic, right? uh, okay. I, I, do you want me to help you guys out hugely? Like, <laughs> yes. do you want to make me to me to be the pull out Give my the secret keys. weapon? I have autism. He is <laughs> autistic. There you are. I just fucking squared the circle. You Smell can't your say. Own. You yeah. can't say he doesn't now because. I have the magic finger where I can go <laughs> them as well. I have been diagnosed and everything. So he, they, they're, that's what they're definitely shooting for. Um, and he's, uh, and he's, he's a, a neurotypical um, fella who makes his living. And in hilariously half-assed explanation, he dresses up like an English Bobby 
on the, the actually the, the kind of, of a good joke. Yeah, yeah I'm like, a classic I'm, nod to Freddie got fingered. I'd like. Yeah, to I say. felt that too, Anthony. Oh, I felt it? like you were in the room with me for sure. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm definitely the Leonardo DiCaprio pointing meme. The second <laughs> someone dresses up like an English Bobby in a bad movie. Hey, to ask right. me if I walked around Japan saying Japan 4 for two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> the answer would be, of course I did. Uh, okay, yeah. So he he he, he funds... What, I thought he got his money by, like, uh, sniffing out autographs. But no, for, he's, he's also... He's just obsessed with autographs and whatever. And it's the usual greasy fan man kind of thing right you know and he's obsessed with devon sawa who if you want to talk about leonardo pointing mean is the guy who played stan in the music video stan Insane. oh there's so many different decisions in this movie that i'm desperate to find out whether it's that fred durst was sitting around trying to be clever or whether it's that fred durst is such like an accidental zelig figure that he just makes these accidental things happen that then other people are like, oh, that's sort of an odd but interesting thing to do is to make the guy from Stan be like the opposite end of it now. Yeah, I think I think it has to be both, to be honest with you. <laughs> because like there's no way you have John Travolta walking into a nightclub and saying, give me a very expensive milkshake without being like, get it? Because in Pulp Fiction, he has to be You know, like, like, but also... None of I the references even, are like, I didn't get it. Oh, good oh really? Oh, oh, thank a shame. you. Though. Thank oh, you. Shame. Uh, but <laughs> it, it, like, but also like, I was just about to say, it's not that clever. Like, it's almost like it feels like there's nothing there to get until you're like, oh yeah, no milkshake, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Like, you know, because because what what's funny is he kind of they have this fan milieu he's in, which they don't shoot that much of, but it's the kind of thing that only really pops up in Kevin Smith films, where they show like the fanboys in this kind of context, you know? And mm-hmm. in reality, it's slightly different. Like, you know, there's always also a guy like Hot Carol there selling them $300, you know, <laughs> fucking mashup uh, photo illustrator pictures or whatever. Um, but that like nerd culture thing, like buying this vest or whatever, it's, um, and the the British quad for Ghost Train. That's the other thing. Like some of the, some of the fucking, references are too obscure considering where he goes you know <laughs> like 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 it's like oh yeah he knows all these really weird and then they're like he plays you know he becomes the millionth character in cinema history to watch a large chunk of night of the living dead a film oh, that, that public domain yes was coincidentally hitting. is in public domain yeah when that public domain hits um yeah um yeah coming to get you mom i've heard it so many fucking times but um but like uh, yeah, and he's like disappointed that Sawa doesn't get his references. Yeah, too, he's which like, also you're, you're, seems yeah, very specific. Yeah. But it, it it is like think thinking of this film is interesting to me. In like, so I I when the currently dormant podcast Live at the Death Factory, great podcast, co- rest in co- power or, you, or sleep in power, rest uh, rest like actual rest. Uh, that was weird. Uh, don't do that again. Uh, but that, <laughs> sorry, I'm just joking. Uh, but we did a we did a, a, a an episode about this fucking film that this guy only directed one film in his life, and it was um oh what was it called again? I cannot believe it's gone out of my head. Um, it was oh the evil within. Sorry, it has a really anonymous title. 
but it was yeah, that sounds the, pretty generic like could be anything yeah so yes but what it actually was was the heir an heir to the getty fortune spent 15 years directly transferring the nightmares he had while on meth into <laughs> stop motion things that were happening to like bad tv actors it is a crazy film that if you haven't awesome. seen the evil within it's mental and there's no way of telling especially with the fucking video game there's no way of telling it on the outset that it looks like this but like the famous guy in it is sean patrick flannery you know one Legend. of the one of the fucking uh what were they called again one of the boys <laughs> one of the fucking guns of the, of the boondock saints you know yeah like um and and like like he's like the famous guy in it but um but the evil within is like this as well where part of the evil within is far better made and has far more going on and is has some of the creepiest shit i've ever seen in it actually to be honest with you and especially weird because it kind of looks like saw <laughs> as well you know it's kind of has that flatness but ter- horrible things are happening but the fanatic is interesting when you think of like what mind made this and it's like okay fred durst hates people that come up to him and say like it's about it's not even about hating your fans or them not understanding you it's about being kind of embarrassed by them you know and um even weirder is oh here's one of the world's most high profile scientologists at the time mocking a type of uh neurodiverse person that he basically his friends claim they can crystal out of existence yeah you know like and it was even lawsuits in Ireland around the time this came out about somebody whose child had been sent to a like a de autism workshop or whatever um, by the Church of Scientology. Like John Travolta, people have been disappeared so he can be gay and fly a plane. Like yeah. that, like he is like he's the definition of evil famous person. Be you know? gay, fly a pl- be, be gay, do crime, fly a plane. Is that be, anything there? Be, be, uh, be gay, take off, cover up. Yeah, like I, I like it it because like he and let, let me let me get this straight. There is nothing wrong with being gay. You are contributing to the end of the world if you fly planes. Um but <laughs> it, it is Anthony's very very near and dear to Anthony's heart right there. Oh yeah. Is, uh, is, uh, yeah is, uh, is that why I drove to Jacksonville this this week? Is that why? That's why. That's definitely why. Yeah, yes. Cause, yes. Cause, yeah, because you want to see. Yeah, because you don't want to see that. Yeah, you want to see a flower in the year twenty forty. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, like it's just so piled on the the embarrassing, like you know, kind of weird vibe around like like the cringy stuff that John Travolta says and all this kind of thing. You can just hear like uh fred tried to be above it to west borland while a guy says it to them in a pub you know what i mean you can kind of you can feel this kind of and and like the explosive anger and everything like that and um it's just the whole thing is you know um i mean like it's it's it the the funny bits of it are not funny um in, in any real sense well is anything fun i mean is there is there any joke that lands in this like is there a single joke that works um, yes, there is. There is a single joke in this. Nice. When he goes into the garden, when when <laughs> when uh, John Travolta's character breaks into the garden of the celebrity, he's um, stalking. Oh yeah, I think I think, and I he, think sees I wrote the, this one he sees the he sees the plant and he goes, "Would Hunter Dunbar let this die?" 
That's and, funny. And then <laughs> she she runs out to like scare him away, and she's holding like a fucking Independent Spirit Award or something, like yeah. some trophy as like yeah a using club. a yeah using a uh, critical uh, award as a cudgel seems to really <laughs> get it on the nose. Yeah, and then they really and she and that's that's my other like least favorite thing about it is it's a film and low budget films do this all the time, where they use poor pacing as like a, a mechanism to deliver a twist where it's like, aha, yes. but you had forgotten a woman died in the middle. And it's like, lads, so had you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, the movie <laughs> did not care. Could not <laughs> be more clear that you also were like, oh, fuck. <laughs> like, um, weird. Uh, but yeah, like, I mean, John Travolta saying, oh, Mr. Blonde stuck in the middle. And it's like, we get it. He was in the I actually did have a question about the uh, the housekeeper that was yeah. uh, inadvertently killed. In the Wikipedia version of this movie, they say they imply that she, uh, the the woman that is the narrator and that's the friend of Moose, calls the police to report uh, Hunter Dunbar beating up and uh, brutalizing Moose, and then the police go to investigate this and find the body, which I don't think that's, it seemed to me more like the uh, gardener found the body and called the police and then it was coincidental and then Moose coincidentally gets off. Is it clear at all which one of those happened or is it just ambiguous? Like, did I miss something because I have brain holes? I, I, I think I think it's the second, I think it's the second one that you were talking about which means that the person who wrote the Wikipedia didn't watch the film, okay, which with the best will in the world, I cannot begrudge them. <laughs> um, I mean, but, but yeah, no, it's definitely that the, 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 she doesn't, I mean, her narration is really weird. I, I, I listen. So there, there is, so there's an attempt to turn this film. Like, I think this film is interesting because it's literally a film about how mid tier rich people despise fan, like despise fans. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the way he's signing those books, you can. Yeah, I actually think Devin Saw was really good in this. Um, yeah, but was, like uh, the way he's signing his books, it looks he's just seething the whole time. At the very like, least, he's very good at becoming that like Joe Piscopo roid rage version of Anthony Michael Hall that happened in the early nineties. <laughs> yes, yeah. uh, but but also like it's not even like that. That is really good. I think Devin Sawa is really good as an idle fan, idle hands booster. I'm happy every time Devin Sawa gets something to do. You know? We love slackers in this house, but, too. Um, big fan. But, but it's that it's like even when you see the stuff he gives him to say, where it's like my kids, you know, where you see that the celebrity's an asshole, but he's also a good guy. You know, like he's like, don't do this around my kids. Or, you know, you there. it's almost like they didn't know that the asshole celebrity character was supposed to be an asshole. Like, you know, where like I always bring this up, but when the Dark Knight Rises completely loses control of Bane as a character. And even Chris Nolan, like, is oh, he killed an old woman. Even that, you're still kind of like, yeah, but Bane is obviously the actual good guy. Yeah, Bane like, fucking rules. Like, like, <laughs> Bane, like Chris Nolan being like, no, this guy went into a stock exchange and beat up the people there. He's the bad guy. It's like, you, Again, you've, you've more points up, for Bane. <laughs> you fucked up here, man. <laughs> what a line. You know, like, I don't like superhero films, 
But I think that that you know this this is a stock market. There's nothing. Then why are you people here? The Perfect. hardest Perfect. line. The hardest. <laughs> hardest line. shit in the world. Wearing the <laughs> wearing a super cool motorcycle jacket. At the yeah, yeah. The time. <laughs> We're time to go mobile. Um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I know every single Bane line, man. I can do the whole thing. Well, but, Anthony had to suffer through an entire year and a half of me doing Bane voice oh, uh, constantly. So when the yeah. kid sings and he goes beautiful voice, um, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> improved. Uh, Tom Hardy. Uh, oh, what, a, what a G. Tom Hardy for nothing. But yeah, so they, um, so like, it's, yeah, it, it, it's the same way where like, you know, clearly they think, oh, it's really sympathetic. This guy loves his kid. He is sleeping with his maid, but in a good way. <laughs> like, yeah. Where they're like, oh, you know, it's sad and they're just too crazy. It's like, it's so viscerally unlikable, you know, like that, that, and the, he's still kind of supposed, and it's, it's supposed to be, I saw somebody compare it to, um, what's that film called? Fucking not TikTok. What's it called? Oh. The one where, the one where John Wick is at the house and two teenagers show up and he's like, Oh, oh I never saw it. Knock, don't knock. Blow me. Yeah. Yeah. That one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Wait, <laughs> I'm going to edit out my, my voice on that part so I can just have Sean doing a John Wick impression. Oh, don't blow me, man. Uh, but yeah, no, hey, and, and they blow him. Uh, spoiler, and then the end is like him. His wife comes in and is like, "You got blown." He was like, "No, it's not like that." Uh, but uh, it, somebody compared it to that because Devin Sattel is like, his lives fall apart for a totally random reason at the end, and it's like, no, like a, an, an atrocious person has gotten a scintilla of comeuppance. I'm sorry, like a woman is dead for no reason. It's a film. That's what happens in every film, and like, and a a neurodivergent man has been brutalized. For the crime yeah, well, of ex- accepting the accepting the fucking uh, concept of the marketing he was being delivered, you know. Ooh, that's a bar. That's I had shit. a weird. Th- this seems like we're just sort of doing the notes, right? Yeah, we're doing the notes. Uh, so much of this movie is like a catch the reference thing, or like a catch the clever Fred Durst thing. And as it starts to get into like uh, references to like violent movies, yeah, um, is the part where he finds where uh, John Travolta inexplicably finds a uh, handheld recorder of Better Times and Hunter Dunbar's relationship? Is that supposed to be a Cloverfield thing, or does Fred Thurst just think that people have uh, like hand uh, cams in their house still in 2019? I'm just I just love going through I the road of decks of violent films and being like Cloverfield. <laughs> like, like, Halloween, of Night of the Living Dead, <laughs> Reservoir Dogs. Let's get Cloverfield. Let's in here. get motherfucking Cloverfield in there. <laughs> uh, I, I think. Well, no. I mean, I'm sure. Look, Fred the Head probably has a very specific reference. I imagine Twin Peaks is something he might bring in there or something like that. But okay. Um, I don't. I honestly don't know. I, I will say I don't know. It I, caught like, me too. It was a strange thing because it's like, yeah. but it the, is weird. She's pregnant with their kid, who's now like twelve now. So. And doesn't Maybe he that's... say really weird shit? Like, doesn't he? He's like, oh, I'm coming in there to fuck that kid. Or like, he, so he says something like, he says, <laughs> he's like, really oh. creepy on it. Too. Yeah, yeah, like, ha, 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 yeah, but like, I will, <laughs> I will say that I, I realize actually, this is one of the notes I have is that the way they're trying to characterize Devon Sawa is a completely failed and curdled version of how they successfully characterize Gerald Butler 
and the last film I, I covered Oof. with you, where yes. it's like this sort of brash weirdo who is kind of like ultimately probably a good guy kind of, but also well now you've now to compare it to that towering performance, <laughs> that, yeah, that, that man mountain and Easter the, Island head of uh, Ed Hardy. Master. Are you are you excited Easter for Island playing? Are you excited for Plane, by the way? No idea what it is, but yes, if Plane. he's in it. Yes. It's a, yeah, he's in it. It's called Plane. It's great. It's probably going to be amazing. But yeah, now I think you're right, though, that the theme is there of like, a, maybe like like Jerry Butts is what Devin Sawa is on his way to, you know, after like maybe a decade of that kind of yeah. kind but, of but, but like Jerry Butts is like a cop acting more famous than Devin Sawa, an actor can, can possibly act like, yes. you know. Um, the other thing, like, and one of the things, like, speaking as a person with autism, um, let's, let's go down that road briefly. Um, <laughs> the bit where he kills the maid by accident, which is the of mice and men beat that uh, people with autism and other neurotypical um, conditions will know all too well for films where your big fat self accidentally murders someone. Yeah, what um, is that? Why is it always that people like that are like are strong? What what is this? Yeah, like this. Is, I don't like, I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, I mean, I don't want to like. I, there's there's a couple of ways you could go to, uh, uh, you know. Um, yeah, I know the, the usual stuff, but it is really a trope that's very fucking annoying. Like all no, the way no, back it's, to it's, like. It's, no, it's really blade. annoying. I'm just trying to remember who's the name of the guy who got um, his career ended because he said that certain races had quick twitch. Uh, reactions. Oh. I'm trying to remember what's oh. that gambler. Oh, wasn't guy? it Liam Neeson? Didn't Liam Neeson go through no, a no, whole hell of that? I want to walk the streets with a cash. No, that's a different <laughs> thing. That was. I still can't believe they let him back in films. Insane, me, what he said. Let Insane. me back in films. I put away my cash. Because um, <laughs> if he wasn't allowed to act, he would have to spend full time lobbying on behalf of the horse and carriage uh, lobby. <laughs> in uh, manhattan and that's just even worse yeah no better man i'd say all i'd say they were i'd say they were really broken up they were really conflicted when they heard about his cosh thing they were like whoa i don't know if we can still stay behind this guy but yeah no there's i mean there definitely is a thing about oh they don't know their own strength and stuff like there's the bit of like possibly the weirdest um reference and one that i don't credit fred with but i'm sure he'd accept is there's a film called bad ronald um, okay. It is a made-for-TV film from the seventies that nerds like. Um, I include myself in that. Where this kid has an extremely overbearing mother, and um, uh, he is being bullied by a girl, and pushes her, and she falls on rocks and dies. Okay. And he runs home and says, "This just happened," and his mother is like, "They won't understand that you were just defending yourself." I'm going to take the natural step. And build some secret compartments in the house for you to live in, and say you've run away, and they they do that, and then the mother dies of a massive heart attack, and new people move into the house, and he's still in the walls of the house, um, and he has an entire like romantic, um, kind of kind of vision quest fantasy relationship with the girl in the house and stuff and he's kind of fucking up their stuff and they 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 keep seeing him but not seeing him and stuff and i think that that like i bet fred would be like yes bad ronald was definitely factored into what i'm talking about here he's got um, like a vhs copy in his collection yeah exactly for yeah, sure yeah. 
Um, yeah, the, John Otto said, knock this off halfway through when they were on the bus once. Um, I'm going to bed. John Otto's going to take it to the snoozy bridge, I'm afraid. Um, but, <laughs> but, but, uh, but yeah, no, the, I just think the, the portrayal is, is he's way too into it, you know? Yeah. And it's so obvious. He's just, and the thing is, like, look, people who are like on the spectrum like that, and again, I include myself, do cringy weird shit. Like, I know myself, I do. You know, you do stuff that you look back, and everybody, there's a reason people revile. Like, you know, this, I don't want to go too much into it because it's too grim to talk about, and both of you guys are too innocent to know much about what Chris Chan means and what <laughs> that, that, that whole story is about. But Chris Thanks for Chan, protecting our uh, yes. Our do not look up. I know Anthony at the moment is on four different keyboards, being like Chris, <laughs> every different version of Chris Chan. But Chris Chan is a horrible story, but centers around absolute revulsion and cringe taken to its final of people who are neurodivergent and who are autistic. You know, uh-huh. um, and it's people bullying a person, millions of people bullying someone en masse who already is not a good person, but just being completely atrocious based on that and there's so much like autist as an insult or whatever i think i was slightly too old for it but like you see people and it's it, it is that thing of not knowing the social graces or whatever and that freaks people out so much and but i hate i have to say fred durst and john travolta the stuff that made them money it's not just that those are the people that pay the bills it's that they were marketed to behave that way you know what I mean? Like they're like you're supposed to be that excited. You're supposed to treat fucking Top Gun as the most important thing to ever happen to your family or whatever. You know, like yeah. they're buying, they're taking the premise on face value. That's the problem. It's not that they're, you know, like and that never comes up in these films where a famous person. I mean, this has to be one of the last famous person. Well, hopefully, one well, it of the last. Sh- I mean, it it should because it, it seems like it's in bad faith. And I think I think when we watched Good Time, it was you who brought up that like, uh, is it? Benny's performance in that movie as like, you know, he's, he's like, uh, lost some hearing and he's not neurotypical at all. But like you said, I think it was, you said he he couldn't like an actor couldn't do that role. Yeah. Yeah. I think only a non-actor could have, I I feel like that way. And I feel like they still got a bit, they got away with something there, I think. Um, and I think the guy did it well, honestly, the director. I I think so too. But I do think that it was something you couldn't have someone, you couldn't have somebody you were familiar with what they looked like, so you know, so take on that role, which is why it's so weird that it's Travolta. It's so weird that it's him. Who, who can't like Travolta can't even play a guy in a normal guy in a house. Like how many John Travolta <laughs> films have you seen where he's like a normal family man have been viable in any? He always has to be like the sex egg or something, you know, like <laughs> some fucking crazy like. <laughs> like that's that's who john travolta is he's not like he has to dance yeah yeah i mean i mean look saturday night fever he does play i accept that but i mean in the last 30 years you know he's Anthony always... saw Gotti at least five times so <laughs> i did see Gotti in the theater <laughs> we're gonna fuck this bridge yeah like i i think i i um i think he just it, it's yeah i'm trying to remember what the last one john travolta was in for well what i was, was thinking it? that what's a good john travolta movie like michael one Michael. Michael. Okay. Michael. <laughs> I mean, he plays a normal guy in that. In that aside from the fact he's an angel. Um, yeah. Uh, he like. I think people guy. will say face off a lot, and like that's a that's a great fun time. But like, what's like a good you know like a really good performance? I don't know. I can't. I could not. His think last of great. Pro- I can pinpoint it for you. <laughs> is and Please. I am entirely serious with this. Taking of Pelham one two three. I really want to see that. Is 
so people really hate that because every movie in the 70s is your boyfriend or something. But <laughs> the original movie is good too. But that remake by Tony Scott, Tony Scott's firing on all cylinders. It's Denzel era Tony Scott, i.e. the best Amazing. American cinema ever got and ever will get. And it he, Travolta is perfect in that role. Because he's not a normal guy for one. Yes. Hell, just by looking at him, so not normal. He looks fucked up. Like he just looks fucking unhinged. He looks like Bullseye in the Electra movie. Mm, exactly he does he really fucking does or oh, daredevil man. or whatever the fuck big up know? to a uh, big up to my my countrymen you know uh but um I still gotta see that movie too the, the irish movie i gotta see the that. Ir- what the the shits of baladrine or whatever <laughs> Th- those two idiots the mcdonough's talk about a couple of con men they have the whole oh their films are so good it's like irish people swearing like <laughs> the worst shit I've ever seen. You could only make those films, those fucking The Guard and all that shit. You can tell they're constantly moved to London and write films about how miserable, oh, it's so miserable. And Ireland's a real place. And instead they write about it like it's this fictional fucking, island. oh, you know, we're like Joyce, we to go to Paris write about London. No, you're like a fucking door-to-door fucking window salesman, you fucking piece of shit. Well, the Bill anyway. Wars movie was pure garbage. Yeah, well, <laughs> three shitheads. I like, <laughs> I, I just hate those guys so much. I think their idea of Ireland is diseased, and I think that they are small people and low-time <laughs> con men who God. deserve to rot. Anyway, I'm so glad you came back on the podcast. <laughs> my Seriously. pleasure, and I mean that I, sincerely. I, I love it. I know it's not it's not great when I'm on, but I appreciate your you <sighs> the best you, you're enter- entertaining me. But like Robert Shaw in the original Pelham One Two Three is like weird you know like you look at him and you're like this, this like he's supposed to be anonymous this is where mr blue but that's the other if fred wanted to be really clever he would have gotten although i don't think they use the mr yellow mr red thing in um he he does he's mr blue yeah they do he should have gotten travolta to say mr blue because people would have thought that was a mistake in reservoir dogs reference. oh there you go in fact it would be a reference to his Pelham one two three character but you're not as good as me fred yeah, Sean and, should have punched up his script. But but but, but that Pelham One Two Three adaptation has one of the craziest endings. When you like, I don't want to say anything about it because the ending is really famous. Like the the ending of taking Pelham One Two Three, the original, the final shot is famous. But the whole idea of the ending, especially now, like at the time it was just is a bit wacky. If you made the taking of Pelham One Two Three, the Sony Scott version, and put it out now people would say you were a fucking genius with the with the ending he put on it it would be it's undeniably amazing when when they when they explain what the logic was for what they did you know um it's kind of you know the way people say trading places oh you actually have to understand the stock market to understand the end of trading places or whatever it's kind of like a it's like a turbo version of that it's really cool um i i love those but yeah that was definitely the last time because it's tony scott tony scott's a generous man who was willing to who knows how to let a guy do and a performance he's actually comfortable with that he can actually do because directly after that you've got fucking old dogs where he plays a dog trainer or something (laughs) um savages where he's like oh like these are bad films you know Life on the Line, Life on the Line, where John Travolta plays a electrical lineman who works to maintain the power grid of Texas in the middle of a deadly storm. Like, you know, he's just in that because you can say 
Travolta, it's electrifying, you know. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, I'm a misused man, and uh, this film is no exception. Sorry, I'm now just looking at his filmography at all the really ah, strange bullshit. What I miss, boys. Sorry, uh, I got we, were, we were just talking. We were just talking about how uh, everything else he did is fucking mental. Uh, like, yeah, uh, and it was. It's actually not to go back to uh, uh, people that are neurodivergent and also uh, totally undo all of the uh, massive. Uh, I don't know traps I managed to avoid stepping in earlier. But when I was working with the developmentally disabled and the mentally ill. Uh, I was frequently uh, helping out at what was essentially like the max from Saved by the Bell, but for people that were uh, on the spectrum or were schizophrenic or various other things. And on their movie night, every uh, Tuesday for like a year, they would watch Wild Hogs. And they I all. Was, I was literally about to say it's Wild Hogs. I, I yeah. 100%. Really? That was the, the yeah. screen that? That was the thing? They loved it. They Every week there'd be like a vote and like I'd come in on like Tuesday to supervise a guy vacuuming and there would be like a uh, a giant, uh, like a dry erase marker board with like five choices on it. And I would know that when I came in on Thursday, I would see like a tally next to each thing that got votes and it would just be a smattering of like one and two tally marks for everything. And then Wild Hogs would just have like 15 people fucking stoked. To come well, in and eat popcorn. Like anything, you know, it's like big, loud comedy. People are familiar with the Like people who are neurodivergent like comedies that's better the second time. Like, like repetition anyway. But I know myself like like comedies when they know the jokes already and stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. So it, 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 it like essentially like kind of like movies that are pitched or paced like kids films, but for, you know, like a more adult. It, it makes sense to me, like I guess. Starring yeah. noted snitch Tim Allen. Yeah, we, we're obligated. We're bound by law to bring it up every time. Tim Bricks, he gets it in Ohio or Michigan. Uh, there was literally that's uh, something from uh, Christmas that uh, the baby Jesus himself spared my wife from anyone hearing me. Was uh, three small children sitting around with a Buzz Lightyear doll and someone being like. Oh, he's funny. And I just said, don't trust him with cocaine. (laughs) I just see like a head on a swivel, but no one else acknowledged it. He's funny. Yeah. Ask fucking Big Bob in in, that's still in fucking the state penitentiary 30 years later. How fucking funny he is. Um, oh, can you imagine? You're, and you're watching that career play out in front of you. It's like, oh, oh Jesus Christ! Like this yeah. this is what I went in for. Guy, and you're like, guy. oh, finally, he's he's getting finally something is he's um his his career has fallen apart. I'm oh, wild hogs. What do you mean? Everyone loves <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> but uh, Tim Allen's in like three different um, sitcoms where the the like he's still Tim Allen is like the point, right? Oh yeah, no, people are weird. That's like every yeah. oh, t- yeah, every yeah. Tim Allen thing now. <laughs> yeah, like it's like intersectionality. Yeah, he's that's fucking shit. Yeah, um, he literally a- is now uh, one of the cancel culture guys, but not just because that's his politics, but because he's built an elaborate conspiracy theory about how the show that he was on, like My Simple Life or whatever, with his bullshit comedy yes, from the early 2000s, yeah. uh, he's convinced that it was canceled, not because it was entering the next tier of how syndication works and it would have affected how expensive <laughs> yeah, it was, like the, but because they were trying to keep him from speaking the truth yeah, in interviews. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's that's, that's such sweet, what, sweet truth. What a lame arse. You know, oh, I... <laughs> The Santa Clauses. I forgot. Like, yeah, he's we're back, baby. Um, um, so speaking of red hats, um, 
How do nice. I? Uh, yeah, nice. I brought it back. That's, that's all, but that's, that's all that, I did. That was a huge one. Yeah, and you had nothing. That was incredible. <laughs> Absolutely you, nothing. That was like watching Evil Knievel Evil land on the head of a pin and then fall <laughs> fall off taking his helmet off. Like that was <laughs> incredible. A man lands the most precision segue of all time, and then he's like, "Content anyone?" Um, Instantly, but, fucking stop uh, caring the second but, I said it. <laughs> but I mean, who who only the most dedicated would do so when it's like, how do we? mash through the miasma of of limp biscuit um well here's here's my and and now that i have a a an autistic person be an actual like real deal fan okay well i i don't primarily i i I am i am i'm not super autistic i'm like i'm like normal guy autistic i'm cool guy yeah but what what about Sorry, I, mean, I shouldn't laugh at my own joke. Sorry, <laughs> but um, but can't I, you anyway, tell yeah. by the skulls on my shirt that I'm uh, fucking super yeah. cool? Oh, can't you tell by all this eye contact that I'm like immediately? <laughs> I got on the call and I was like, shot off the video. Um, <laughs> it is true. Pre-call, we turned off the video, but that was more of a bandwidth thing uh, for the listener. Um, but true. what about the Limp Bizkit experience that rewards you know that that kind of part of you? Like, does it <laughs> or is it? something completely separate yeah man like the the, like every all the little because it sounds like they're making it up as they go along but it's too technically good to be like that and it's so made in the studio or whatever but it's all like it's all like kind of almost what you call like rube goldberg music where like every beat is answered by another like every pop is answered by a ping from another instrument or something so it has this real bounce to it that yeah like it's cool like that yeah yeah well now so i have a question perception- oh. oh go you ahead go. no okay. uh, well i just this might be relevant but i'm just going to say it is that like i think my perception of limp biscuit is they started basic went hip-hop then prog and then back to basic that's my uh understanding and it's probably flawed anthony go ahead okay well i guess that was my question is also related to their arc um, I, I would say that I'm an apologist for albums one and two. Uh, I listened to Still Sucks uh, just as prep for the pod. And then I remember hearing uh, new old songs during the period of leaving the college, returning back home and finding out that a certain kind of person was still buying new Limp Biscuit. But <laughs> I didn't hear like the stuff in the middle. So, like, is that a thing where you're just going through out of curiosity the way I not to go back to this, but the way I did with like Chinese democracy? Or is there still something equally fascinating about the mid tier, low sell, like mid period, low selling records uh, that are between behind the blue, behind blue eyes era? Well, no, the, I think Behind Blue Eyes is still early enough. I think there's like a couple of records after well, that. So yes, no so Limbiscuit's career goes $3 bill, y'all, which is, is pretty good. Pretty right. solid. That's the one I listened to last night. Um, 97, Significant Other, one of the greatest albums of all time. Bought it the day it come out and had a keychain as a result. That was back and, when I also had a uh, uh, Limp Bizkit Windbreaker as well. I was a real yeah. piece of shit. Uh, yeah, featuring my all-time favorite uh, Loki heater, I'm Broke. Give me back my money. Um, and and together now with Method Man. Yes. Yeah. DJ Premier. Good. Actually, pretty good. But I prefer the Neptunes remix. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. Yes, yes. A, 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 yeah. And also, key significant other also has the incredible outro where Matt Penfield is like, no one listens to pop music. Everybody, everything sucks. You need to listen to Limp Bizkit, Matt Penfield. Yes. Like, <laughs> Penfield. On a, there's a, a fucking 
errant slaphead Matt Pinfield is just <laughs> screaming about nonsense because you know it's like oh man yeah you know what's really fucking up music MTV hold on who's signing these checks anyway um, and so we didn't even have Matt Pinfield over here I had to go and look all this shit up to understand who he was back then um, chocolate starfish and hot dog flavoured water which is like a fantastically horrific album title yeah, now people so say it's it, it, like the Beatles revolver or whatever and, and hold it in the same esteem. But like the cover is like these gangly aliens covered in hot dog. It's the most grotesque Another thing. bad cover. Actually, yeah. they might have the worst run of covers maybe of any band. Doesn't someone in the band, isn't that like West Borland painting? I, I was oh, going to say, aren't nice. they, are they the only band that have taken the... Um, Guy who can draw in your class. Yes. Style of art. Yeah, they're yes. the Hesher or Meat Puppets. And made yes. it the actual album cover. Hell like, yeah. This guy can draw, you know? <laughs> like, and, um, um, uh, yeah, and it's uh, like fucking, but yeah, and, and, yeah, Chocolate Favorite Starfish is the crazy one. I think that was the first one I heard, maybe. Um, yes. Like, get Groove on and Boiler, <laughs> those two classic. But take but take a look around. Take a look around is, is I think was the one that really, really stuck. Like my generation is amazing. Never who gets the blame? You get the blame and I get the blame. I know that it sounds pretty basic, but that's a, if you're gonna make a, a song for twelve year olds to get mad, who gets the blame? I get the blame and you get the blame is pretty good. <laughs> also, can you deny that there is some that there is a distinct Gucci main energy to come out with after the album that made you a multi, 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 multi millionaire, to come out with a soundtrack tie-in song, the chorus of which is "Now I know why you want to hate me." Um, <laughs> yes. uh, like, You're talking uh, about Mission Impossible. Is yeah, that yeah, yeah. But like, because yeah. I used to think that's like, oh, why you want? No, that's like saying I have a fuckload of money. That's what now I know why you want to hate me. So it, that's why he says that. Um, <laughs> fantastic video as well. God, you really put your you're pouring concrete into the roots of a of a, a budding <laughs> fandom for me. Yeah, see, I remember this album. I had moved on, but I remember the popularity of this one because we were yeah. still in high school. It's the next one that I yeah, am just so, so yeah. So then we entered the dull drums, right? Then we entered the the forbidden zone where the fucking <laughs> sandworms from June are like like. And there's still a lot of fucking hay to be made. Like there aren't good songs. Don't get me wrong, but like because the results may vary. Came out and i remember i was this is would have been um uh you know what was it 2003 so this would have been full on i've been to the white stripes and the hives and jimmy world's era sean i'm um no means no aren't my favorite band yet but they're about to be my favorite band I talked about the White Stripes before they had their third album came out and they got big, so everyone in school uh, just still calls me an ugly cunt because nobody cares about music. <laughs> I'm in a band. I'm being conditioned to liking shit Limp Bizkit, a.k.a. Tool. But, like, I remember this coming out and actually, weirdly, right, results may vary, has the cover of um, Behind Blue Eyes on it, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, written Isn't there like by, a speaking spell on it or something? I remember, like, yeah, I remember being like, "Wow, that like that'll come in handy for those legal fees." Peace. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, how's the research <laughs> on the book, by the way? Uh, but but like, um, 
Uh, the content yeah. warning on this episode is going to be amazing. <laughs> and uh, that is also has head on it when, when I think he had left corn. Was, was, oh, was, wow. So they brought but, in head. It's also got yeah. old boy from uh, Snot, Mike Smith. Yeah, Snot. That's what you, if you remember, I made a very uh, unfortunate joke about the guy from Snot and whether he was alive or not. Uh, that was partially a reference to the fact that I didn't like this album and the guy from Snot played on it. But Wes Borland is the heart of Limp Bizkit, really. So if you don't have him on it, all you have is like the weird other bits of the band that don't make any sense. They don't have anything. They don't have, like, if you took out of fucking like uh, 20th Century Boy, you'd be left with a cunt with a tambourine. And that's effectively <laughs> what results <laughs> in the day. It's, it's a big budget cunt with a tambourine. Like it's it's the like, Jerry only record, of course. Right? It is very much so. Yeah, uh, like this is Christina Aguilera. Better switch me chairs. That's that. That's um. This is yeah. This is when uh, Limp Biscuit. What's the what's the Eminem line about Limp Biscuit? Um, uh, I don't. Was it fuck him and fuck you too or whatever? Anyway, Eminem survived where Limp Biscuit perished for me. I think in in terms of stuff I liked when I was like twelve. Because you know the way you go through stuff really early. When I was 12 and 13, I think Eminem, I listened to the new stuff, Limp Bizkit, I was like, this is really bad. You know, and I, that might be my first um, experience of like a guy leaving a band and the band turning to shit. Actually. Well, let's let's take a detour then. Did you get into Big Dumb Face? Did that Man, did grab I get your attention? Big Dumb Face, yes. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> Big Dumb Face, are, wait, hold on. Is Big Dumb Face the one I'm thinking of? Big Dumb Face, are, are they like the comedy band? Yeah, it's like I think they're like kind of like a ween thing. Maybe yes, yes, they are just ween. Yeah, and I okay, and I don't like ween. They they're shit, and I I don't like ween either. I've tried. It's just I've tried so hard, man. I think part of me is still waiting for ween to finish up in a gig in Dublin in uh, (laughs) twenty two thousand eight. Like I went to see ween and they played for four hours. To this day, they're still none of them. They yeah, they had that brave Sir Lion, all that kind of shit, and it's like the country Like yeah, and it was like no distortion. That was the thing, and whatever. That was yeah. Just, um, oh, bring out a I, I, I liked big big dumb face was more like I'd see the video on MTV every so often and be like ah, I know who there's, they are. There's but, my boy. Yeah, but like no, because I think this is when Head left Corn because um yes it was. No, it was just no it was was it because uh no it was just before Head left Corn. No, because I just remembered the enemy a headline because corn because uh, your man converted to Christianity and the headline was Corn Give Jesus Head. Um, amazing headline and, uh, people say enemy sucks but every so often like his <laughs> head is pretty unimpeachable to be honest um and the but, drum the corn drummer also turned against them for a while there's like a whole thing i, whole I mean thing. if you like the, the current bass player in corn is like somebody's somebody's son isn't it ah, nice like, got, they've gotten like, to that it's like stage. a zach starkey scenario it's like not a son of theirs it's just a random celebrity son Nice. It's, it's like no, who is it? It's someone. It's really weird. Like, hold on, feel these hiatus. Here we are. Sorry, I'm in the field. Well, Max Weinberg's son is now the drummer of Slipknot. So, like the Nepo what? thing. It, yeah, 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 isn't yeah. that wild? Yeah, that's ridiculous. And uh, well, I mean, the the thing is, he was just known as uh, like Max Weinberg's son. What was his band again? Max had a really dumb name. I know no, that. No, the son, the son, the son band. Because um, there was something, I heard somebody on a music, yeah, he was in Madball and against me. Oh, he was in Madball. Oh, that's cool. He was in Hesitation Wounds. And I think 
the guy is hesitation was not one of the West Borland bands. No, maybe not. Um, uh, because no hesitation wins had the guy from Touche More in it. That's a different. It's a whole and the guy from Trap them. I heard somebody on some podcast say out of the corner of their mouth, "Yeah, we 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 got to we got to go in a really cool van because because <laughs> it was because it was Jay Weinberg. It's like yeah, we touring was a lot easier with him in the band. So the um, van was better. That's great. Yeah, but like that's the reason to be in." Mad ball against me, and then he's in Slipknot. How the guy from how a guy who was in against me can do what Joey Jordison used to do is sort of mental. But yeah, that is wild. He's he's good good drummer. I saw Slipknot this summer. Yeah, it was a fucking blast. It's great. Because like as somebody said about Joey Jordison, you listen to Slipknot, and you see you see like footage and you know or like a video, and it's like oh yeah, they have like three drummers or whatever. But it turns out all the sounds you can hear on the record is like that one guy. <laughs> like yeah. it's not you know it's not those lads aren't playing stuff of equal complexity or anything. You know, no, it's like when you give your like your little cousin like a controller to you know play your Xbox, but it's unplugged. It's, uh, that's what those guys are doing. Yeah. So Slipknot drummers two and three are just tails. That's yes. what you're telling me. <laughs> yes, more yeah, one hundred percent. Yes, um, yes. Nose and the clown are both digital <laughs> at best. Um, although I think the clown is. Apparently his uh, solo album is not that good. Somebody said to me as if this was news. Well, they're um, all suing each other too. Um, they are. Yeah. They certainly are. Yeah, they're, they're, are. Are they still doing that or has that all been... Maybe they're cool now. You well, know. I think enough people died. I think Joey Jordison died really kind of... Seemed to Maybe. shake them a bit because they kicked him out. Because they kicked him out of the band, allegedly kicked him out of the band and froze him out because, he, because of the disease he died from. Oh. Like, they Amazing. just acted like he was, like, drinking too much. And he's like, I'm dying of a fucking disease. And they just ignored him as if he had left the band for, like, a stupid reason. That's harsh, man. Like, Brutal. That um, That's some might not be true now. Might not be true. I just, uh, it's just yeah. what I've heard. That's, like, well, the kind of great. thing you hear in, like, a 1970s uh, bands, like, uh, retrospective, uh, like, <laughs> DVD uh, yeah, like Yeah, it turns out half the suite tried to kill the other half or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like or what you what you hear kind of alluded to pleasantly in the uh the most um uh catty music documentary of all time the behind the music steely dan um, <laughs> yes have you seen that, that, that film well yes. it's, it's got viral clips that i've seen yeah, like yeah, yeah. the whole they're... thing is like that it's really good but they are clearly shitheads like <laughs> like in in a very very pronounced way they are. I wouldn't want them to be like nice guys. I just like cannot picture that that kind of music comes out of like really chill cool people. Like they they sound like assholes. And that's the bit where they're like they do the uptown baby uptown baby like and then laugh and it's like yeah, you sued that guy out of existence. Yeah. yeah you ruined his life. You yeah, you destroyed that guy's life cuz he disrupted the Satan to the, the sanctity of black cow or whatever the fuck. <laughs> oh no. Uh, but but yeah, I know. So I mean it is called Results May Vary. Um right. that album. And and then after that there was a they just toured for years and played all the songs people wanted to hear. The unquestionable truth. I remember that coming out and John Oliver yeah. played the drums on that, so who cares? It's like part one. Yeah. And like there was never a part two, which is I love that shit. <laughs> it's it's a lot of like and yeah, and the idea the the songs are called The Propaganda, The Truth, The Priest, The Key, The Channel, The Story, and The Surrender. I have never heard this album. <laughs> um, and you heard me talk about Limp Bizkit like they were the secret vibration at the heart of the universe. I still haven't heard this fucking album. 
and I'm not going to. Like, um, well, you don't uh, need it. Yeah, he felt all music's Stephen Thomas Erlewine said that music is a step in the right direction. It's more ambitious, dramatic, and aggressive, built on pummeling verses and stop start choruses. Well, now you know it's good. Wow, thanks, all music. All music. <laughs> that seemed like a front for something. You know what I mean? Um, oh, I love all music. They take the middle ground. The they they never take it have a take. On the middle ground. <laughs> oh no, they do have the take of uh, nearly every rap record before two thousand three yeah. is shitty. That is, well, yeah, that's the bitches and hoes. <laughs> that's anybody writing about rap. Yeah, um, yeah, and then oh uh, man, interesting choices on the best of. A lot of. <laughs> A lot of um, you're laughing at me like I'm not <laughs> like no like I would I, my next question is like how would you resequence the best of but I, I need to know what's results on there. may vary as three dollar bill y'all which seems crazy wow. like no one wanted to hear fucking lean on me from results may vary <laughs> previously unreleased a home sweet home slash bittersweet symphony mashup Motley Crue Verve cover oh, wow that's no. alarming no. <laughs> Uh, no, thank you, guys. That sounds awful. And then Gold Cobra was the next one, which has again spectacularly terrible artwork. Yeah, it's, it might be even worse than yeah. The but that's the band got back together. Like, was the yeah, energy that's, there? That's all the lads. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the 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 big song, the one big song on a shotgun or whatever it was called, is 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 good. It's a Limp Biscuit song you would want to hear. But this is the one where they Wes Borland has the interviews where he's like yeah we played it and everything went dead silent for those two songs and then people would start screaming like their life depending on it <laughs> when Wes Borland specifically calls this out as like why would I why would we write new music this you is know? the why album yeah, like yeah. The, what's the point yeah this we spent two years doing this and nobody gave a fuck man I wish I'd listened to combat jazz with Raekwon oh, oh come on now yeah, yeah. Uh, or middle finger with Paul Wall. Paul Wall. Uh, <laughs> Paul Wall. Yeah. In the house, ladies and gentlemen, Paul Wall. The bowling is big because the hustle is hard. The grind is rather huge, so the jealousy's quite large. With credit cards and cash stacks, my mind focused on greenbacks. I go and get it, I don't relax. The player hating is to the max. Cush sacks and powder packs, no time to eat, it's just snacks. That's whiskey shots and cognac, getting fucked up like college frats. No exaggeration, just facts. A fascination with paper stacks and masturbating on Bobby's backs. They assassinate my player stacks, but game sharp like thumbtacks. I go dumb 
on horse gum. They chew me up like orbit's gum. Swallow cock and eat cum. Go kick rocks and eat crumbs. I run from cops, but bar none. I'm in the streets just like a bum. If you don't like it, come get you some. But uh, but yeah, no, I mean like yeah, shotgun I believe is pretty good. And douchebag, I think went on Slippy. Um and, it's like, actually surprising how many songs they have that yeah. are not on an album and it was either just a promotional single for an album, but then they pivoted or just like a one off or an EP. Well, in, like, in that way they are the most C D single band of all time. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're definitely the apex of that era of like, you know, once you 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 know once your friend had a full up, like I remember a guy, uh, some guy I uh, I was friends with his cousin was a pretty adept shoplifter and had a really good <laughs> iPod. Like he, this is when you could still take music off an iPod pretty mm-hmm. easily. Um, just treated like oh, Sanudi. Um, <laughs> yeah um uh i forget what i think i was just i think i was just raw dogging and treating it like a fucking external anyway but um but i got every single eminem version every version of every eminem song off this guy's ipod Gold mine. and um uh the thing that, that that's where i made my definitive eminem pinion my only eminem pinion which is that the definitive version of Come On Everybody, the Mushroom song, is the censored version where he makes the entire thing about pizza, which yes. I believe I've, I've said even on this show before. Yes. Yeah. But, um, but I think I said it on the last episode or something. But I just, yeah, it, it's, it's um, oh my God, they put mushrooms on this. But uh, yeah. It's like Fight a Stranger in the Alps level of like artistry. 100%. Stranger in the Alps now ruined by Phoebe Bruger. Oh yeah, fucking but, come on. But now all these nerds know about Stranger Things. <laughs> like, but uh but yeah, no. subculture of Phoebe Bruger's fans. <laughs> but uh the Phoebe Bruger. You know what? She was all right live when I saw her and then she released one of the most dog shit albums of all time. Um all I'm saying <laughs> I'll is still get pretty hammered and put on Don't that get a GA boyfriend, pretty obvious to me. Uh but uh, <laughs> uh that's a joke about Paul Mescal's shorts. Um so and then yeah Gold Cobra came out and a signal to me that um, Limp Biscuit had a irrevo- irrevocable I- impact on my psyche is if I had an album called Gold Cobra, I would also call the intro Introba as well. Um, <laughs> uh, because I'd be like, yeah, that's funny. Um, and then they spent 10 years writing Disco Elephants and then released an album called Still Sucks instead. Well, when you hear that Gold Cobra's coming out, do you, you as a fan, do you like, okay, the machine is starting? You no, know, like, to, me, to me, this is like, you know, Spanish Kiss or something. Like, this is, <laughs> like, like, this is so far from what, but it's like, I am still significant other in Chocolate Favorite Starfish, like Chocolate Favorite Starfish. And I've only listened to the big tracks. Like, every so often, I listen to the whole album and I'd be like, fuck, there's some weird shit on these. Yeah, they're, they're more experimental than I think they get credit for. I mean, they're actually more, the thing is, a lot of their, like, the, the wackier songs are the ones that got, like, kind of the most, uh, you know, like, nooky and whatever, you know. Um, but, like, the, the, the kind of rearranged, which is just a, a, a fucking Linkin Park song, really. It really yeah. is. Like a very like austere kind of like earnest, but but it is yeah, it is just I mean yeah, like the guy he literally says like 
life is overwhelming it or something. You know, you're like, that's not what I want from you, Fred. <laughs> but, but Shut like, the fuck yeah. up, Fred. Yeah, say say like witty witty or some shit. Uh, <laughs> but I, uh, but yeah, no, and I mean, like when, like, look, Gold Cobra, I wasn't really tuned in, but when Still Sucks, when when Dad Vibes came out, <laughs> and he went on stage in. Uh, looking have, pretty awesome actually dressed his age yeah yeah uh, and, and in, a, in a very very funny way like like fred durst i'm willing to believe fred durst is probably funny enough guy to talk to oh yeah um like i, I it's I the think... steve from smash mouth scenario lou reed's a genius but who wants to like live next door to him or grab a beer with him you want to yeah, live next door to steve from smash mouth and well, maybe not anymore Durst. since the nazi salutes but yeah, know, before. Mean, yeah. oh my god the who among us nazi yeah, well, he got really hammered on stage and and was uh, chucking up weird salutes. Uh, imagine it's, it's, it's weird. Imagine in the nineties, just being like, you know, you think Pantera and Smash Mouth have nothing in common. But, uh, <laughs> give it a couple of decades, and you're going to find out both of those lads want to do one thing. Uh, what's the one thing both these guys absolutely love to do? Uh, but yeah, I um, that's a real what a shame about. Um, I know. I, I mean, he could. I mean, he could have squirmed out of it, but yeah, the the, the evidence is there. It's pretty undeniable. All uh, I'm seeing now is a is a rotund guy saying, "I'll fucking kill your whole family." I swear to God, which it seems pretty normal for a guy. Yeah, <laughs> he's drinking in a way too that actually like more like a Stone Cold Steve Austin way, which I that's just a side. Note. on his forehead. Yeah, no, just but... like pouring it all over himself. Like I've uh, never really partied that way, but that looks like a great time. Brother, uh, bro, yeah, no, I, Lisa and I have been watching um, Dark Side of the Ring every so often. And, you gotta uh, keep your voice down. Wrestling, you gotta. <laughs> that, that that's a whole Sean. It was you and me, man. We were <laughs> we were the last holdouts. I know, I know, but it's so funny. Uh, like, <laughs> the, 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 and stories from the te- stories from the territories, especially. Stories from the Territories is like watching. That does look really good. It's just whatever it is. It's it's just like a, a table surrounded by people who have all covered up at least one murder, um, <laughs> like laughing away about it as if it means nothing. Like like they'll say things like, "Ah," oh, and then he ripped his ear off, and they'll all laugh. And it's like somewhere there's a guy with no ear. You know, <laughs> the, the 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 apex of that is the whole how people talk about mass transit, the uh, extremely overweight. Um, teenager that um called himself mass transit because he dressed like a traffic cop yes and was 400 pounds and fought new jack and <laughs> new jack instead of <laughs> instead of blading him he just caught his fucking forehead with a knife yeah <laughs> and then he's on the ground this fucking 18 year old and this video of New Jack shouting, I don't care if the fat motherfucker's dying, this dead bitch isn't coming anywhere near me, and has his foot on his stomach and says, I will kill any white motherfucker that comes near me. And everybody, and, and then you see Jim Cornette talking about that in tears of laughter <laughs> to the addendum that, yeah, Mass Transit never got the feeling back in his face and killed himself five years later. No! Yeah. Yeah. And then they ask New Jack from it, and New Jack was he's like, "Yep, I heard that happened," and that that's that's his response. Oh my yep. god, stone yeah. cold! Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. New Jack is a man that has like I believe it's three justifiable homicides in his criminal past, and that doesn't involve any of the people that he references killing or attempting to kill in wrestling documentaries. Yeah, uh, New Jack 
like that, I I have recommended it. I think in every show I've ever been on since I watched it years ago. But the bit in that New Jack documentary where like he talks about going up against the old guy whose gimmick is he knows sells everything, and he just beats him unconscious with the fucking chair. Yes. And New Jack it says it like I beat the shit out of a hundred year old man, and you're like New Jack. <laughs> Gypsy Joe. Gypsy Gypsy Joe Joe was the guy. Yeah, he's like, stick with me, kid, you'll learn something. And he went, Oh really? And (laughs) dismantled him. (laughs) And there's all these booing people, and this old man is just vomiting blood. Yes. But Ryan, all these means 19 people in an empty bingo hall. It is less than 30 people. In front of nobody. (laughs) <laughs> this is this is this is not like the fucking you know hell in a cell. Literally nobody is watching this, and New Jack is Christ. just murdering an an elderly man. Um, <laughs> for the love yeah. of the game. For, for the, the love of the game. Yeah, yeah. It's like, well, well, uh, yeah. I heard that happen. I can still see him. <laughs> yeah, well, New Jack. That's it. I mean, when w- the guy saying, "Oh, blade me," you know, and instead he, t- he just takes a machete out and cuts him into his face. Like it's really. <laughs> He got charged with murder for cutting a guy's throat on on in in the ring, and um, and got off and didn't seem that perturbed by it, you know. Yeah. Um, he's uh, and they asked Jim Cornette, who's known him, who'd known him for twenty years or something. He's like, "What's the difference between, you know, because because they always talk about kayfabe and everything, you know, and they're like, oh, what's the difference between Jerome Young and New Jack?" And Jim Cornette goes like, looks really happy, and he's like. I've never met Jerome Young. (laughs) 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 Like as if it's really normal that this guy just became New Jack and never unbecame New Jack. New Jack had a really tender reconciliation, I believe, with his um, trans child um, just before before he died. Yeah. Um, uh, He had, he... Yeah, it's it's it's. Uh, well, I'm not sure about the details of that, but um, I think maybe it was is actually maybe the the child might be a drag queen. Maybe it was like that. But anyway, it was something. There was some kind of gender nonconforming thing, and he was horrible about it. And then he took it back, and he didn't. And and you know, and 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 it was it was kind of heartbreaking in the greater context of a guy who went on. St- but like New Jack is every story about him is like, yeah, I can believe that's a guy who went on stage the day of the fucking OJ verdict and said, I just want to say to OJ, good work. That's two less we have to worry about. Yeah. Um, to a crowd of white people in Texas or something. Yeah. You know? It's a uh, Tennessee. He was wrestling in Smoky Mountain wrestling at the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was His the, job the, was just to rile up white people. And he just had like cocktail napkins where he was just like the black Panthers would say this rappers would say this, this is just an opinion I have. And they would like sit in the back trying to cook up the most heinous shit he yeah, could say to make racist white people want to kill him. Yeah, and, and, and that's what they always talk about in those documentaries. They're like, if a guy came out of the audience and attempted to murder you, you'd really done your job. You know? <laughs> and I apply that same to podcasting. If yeah, it, if that's what you are. If someone leaves me a one-star review, which always happens when I guess on another star on another show, I get some one-star review where it's like, I don't know who this guy thinks I is. I know who I am. Yeah. Who, who are you? That's the question you need to ask me. You said it the whole time. Who you are? It's exactly. It's right there in the text. You dinguses. Right there. Right there. Right there. Anyway, and that's why. <laughs> and, and in so, in summary, that's why the fanatic is interesting but flawed. Yeah. So, 
Uh, thank you, Sean. Because I'm sitting here, I'm like, I got a fucking red thread out. I've got a cork board. I'm like, there is no Carol in HR. Who is Devin Sawa? Didn't even do hotlines. Did not even do hotlines. Hotlines! There are none. Damn, son, where'd you find this? I don't have a hotline. Do you? Oh, no. is th- They're not people, Moose. They're fucking tourists. That's yeah, a hotline. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's there for me. All that money and no ice cream. Um, <laughs> that's a great one. <laughs> uh, but I think that's kind of it, honestly. Everything on eBay is a lie. That yep. just that, that was just Nas moment. Um, that, that's what I, I thought there. <laughs> uh, I could, felt like I was watching a Twitter thread unfold. Um, uh, but Moose is in the house when he holds the antlers up. That's that was good. cute. Moose, yeah, yeah moose in the house. Chocolate mousse. That's the first line of the film, chocolate mousse. Um, but yeah, that's kind of it, though. There's not a yeah. lot of... There's a lot of stuff that if you watch the movie, you'll chuckle at, but like yeah, it like doesn't really make sense. listening to Limp Bizkit. And being that like, was fucking I great. Limp like, it yeah. was like, sure. And it's, yeah. like, it's, not a hot, yeah. it's not a hotline for me to say that John Travolta said... You've been jigsawed game over before not jigsawing him and guffawing. It's yeah. just only funny if you want to endure this movie, which exactly. is a discussion for possibly five minutes from now or maybe never. Who's to say? Well, okay. I I, I did. I'm going to blow your guys' minds. Are you guys ready for this? You don't know. You're not ready. I did a little bit of research. Shout out to research. Right. Did research. Um. Okay, oh, so you know how you know how there's like fig jam is like weirdly featured in this movie. Not sweet. Did you guys yeah. did did you notice that at all? Yeah, it's not I did sweet. Not. Where he's I like he's. Thought, I thought I didn't think it was fig jam. I thought it was like something else, but I I did see him say not sweet. Yeah. Well, it's some kind of jam, and he makes Devin Sawa eat this jam, and then you see Devin Sawa actually uh, putting it in his shake when he's like uh, weirdly hitting on the maid or whatever. Okay. Um, Okay, so one of the producers of this film had a very odd name, uh, Neb Chuppin. <laughs> right, okay. Yeah. Neb, N-E-B is his first name. Anyway, it just jumps out at you on the screen, right, when you see the yeah. 200 producers who worked on this movie, because it's one of those two. Yeah, 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 because it was made by Redbox. Because well, yeah, Redbox had a, probably the first production title of 10 logos to come up i think struggled its way out of hell with yeah yeah (laughs) okay so neb chupin is the founder of the company that makes the fig jam so yes i follow him on instagram now he's great he's in he's he's a when he's in facial hair mode he looks like he's here to face the walker texas ranger Absolutely. <laughs> he really is. And when he's got his hair pulled back too, he looks like um like Neb Chuppin is a verb to me now. Neb Chuppin. Like I'm I'm like I'm this is this is what I'm full on I'm, I'm Neb oh. Chuppin on all of them. <laughs> he's in the film too. When he like he he's the only guy to give John Travolta money for his English Bobby act. <laughs> anyway, so Neb Chuppin is a Fig Jam impresario, yeah. and he, I guarantee, and I'll send you guys a picture of of him holding his jam. It's really, really great. Yeah. Um, so he, I guarantee he partially 
funded this film as a way to get his jam. It's fake money in here. Yeah. Fig money. And oh, so that yeah. honestly, I was very annoyed when I was watching this movie. Um, I guess this is us getting into the Mendoza line, but like I, I was like annoyed by John Travolta's performance more than anything. It was pissing me off. Yes. And and then when I found out that Neb Chuppin um partially funded this to get his get that fig, that sweet, sweet fig. Yes. That T de Boza. Yes. <laughs> Um, then it was like it elevated the movie for me. And I'm not joking. Oh. Like it actually made the movie better. So um, if you want to see uh, a Scientologist do a horrifying impression of what he thinks people who are not neurotypical are like, uh, but there's a little <laughs> well, bit of that sweet, sweet fig flavor, <laughs> then watch this movie. What That's- I should have done was Google... Um- uh, or try to figure out how many people were Scientologists in this film. Oh, that's a good. Oh, that's a that's really a good, good question. One. Is is Durst? No, no. There would no religion would let him. <laughs> <laughs> he's too he's too weed dad. To, I mean, he's literally he's too dad vibes to everybody yeah. bounce with the franchise to like. Is Devin Sawa a Scientologist? Um, Child um, stars. You always have to wonder. Yeah, but I mean, Devin Sawa was so good in Idle Hands that like I can't. Can't believe that. Where did he? He's good in general. I think he's. I haven't seen him be bad and stuff. Like, no, he's no. I, I'm not joking about Idle Hands. I think he's great in it. Yeah, like, he was like a genuinely like one of the only people in a, a like a horror comedy around in the kind of the uh, scary movie era to be like you were a genuine comic performer. Yeah, um, looks yeah, like he was in an episode of MacGyver. You know, he's he's got a similar arc to his. You know, Ethan Embry. Is that the guy who's yoked now? Yes, yes. Yeah, he yeah. was in like the guest and yeah. um, that movie where they like pay each other to like do weird shit. Um, yeah, yeah. I like him. I think he's good. Tank, he's like Tank Man. Like he's like I got sick of being a nerd. What's the yeah. other guy? Ethan Suplee. Where he's like, um, you know, Ethan Suplee. Yeah, did, yeah, but didn't he get like the blues traveler surgery? Wasn't that his deal? Oh, <laughs> don't call it that. My man, Ethan, well, he's doing his best. He, um, no, but I thought that was a thing. He got like the stapling or whatever. Wasn't that him? Oh, you, you, no, he, I mean, he must have. Like he lost about 300 pounds. Yeah, he really, really, yeah, he reduced. He has been married to, he's a Scientologist. He has been married ah. to Randy Lewis, the younger sister of Juliette Lewis. Man, well, the Jason Lee affiliation from My Name is yeah. Earl. Well, isn't that the thing about that show, My Name is Earl, is that every single person by the end of it was a Scientologist. Yep. Yeah, that's interesting. Like that, like like it started off as not as a few people, but like the main people were, but like slowly, like down to like the key grip was a Scientologist. <laughs> by the end. Um, we are now Scientologists for even knowing it existed. Yeah. Which is cool. I guess this is where I should tell the story of when I got audited. That was fun. Um, yes, you. I, this is the perfect time for that. Actually, I've, I I've, I don't think I've ever really told the story on the podcast. That's weird. That seems weird. My yeah. friend got into it because he was a guy who was like into drugs and, you know, reading about like Terrence McKenna. And that's the natural endpoint for some people like that is you go to uh, the low level, you know, Scientology strip mall office, I guess. And they like taught him stuff. And the only thing that I really remember from the office itself was that the parking situation was really weird. <laughs> that they just like park each other in this alleyway and then leave keys. And if you fucked up the system, you were in deep shit. So, you know, parking stuff. Um, I also, yeah, anyway, I got audited and it was, uh, it was really weird. And I, because I 
uh, didn't take to the process after I left. I just made fun of it the whole time. I was labeled, and I'm proud of this, as a suppressive person, oh, which nice. is awesome. I'm like, I'm very proudly a suppressive person. He You'll never, never get to go to the golden age of tech now. Oh, yeah. The golden <laughs> age of tech fucking costs like 40 grand a semester and still unclear as to what you learned to do there. It was the, In 2001, the when you told me this anecdote, I can only imagine what uh, inflation has done to uh, attend the golden age of tech. <laughs> You, you know how like a library is like full of like weird posters and stuff and like like stuff that like was, was clearly made by like some you know book publisher to like try and get kids to read. That's what Scientology offices are like, but it's for adults. It's um, yeah. it's fucking incredible. It was great. Um, I, I knew that. I I remember Howard Stern making fun of Jason Lee's kid's name. Do you know what Jason Lee's kid's name is? No. What is it? It is. Anthony, this seems like the kind of thing you'd know. I just know that he has a kid named the way Bob Geldof names kids. Wait, should I do the um, the Limp Bizkit um, uh, Mission Impossible thing? There's no real build up here. I just have the... Um, um, it, it, uh, like, okay. <laughs> uh, Pilot Inspector. Oh, yes. That's his name? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's named after the granddaddy song, Pilot Inspector. Sick, actually. Yeah, six, he's, sick both, he's dumb. He's the pilot. Um, <laughs> um, pilot inspector. Yeah, like what's pilot inspector Lee up to now? Skate. Just rip. I remember, <laughs> and I always think this is a real person's name. Howard Stern was spitballing names. At the, this is when I listened to Howard Stern every day, uh, which was actually relatively difficult in Ireland. Um, involved parenting, but. Um, Pilot Inspector Lee, yeah, this is when he was spitballing names and came up with a name that I have misattributed to so many different celebrities' kids over the years. Scientific Maps. He was, I was like, oh. I have been convinced at various points in the past that different celebrities as a child called Scientific Maps. But he was just fucking around, not a real he was name. Just like, well, what's your next kid going to be called? Scientific <laughs> Maps, uh, rabbit, rabbit. Uh, like you know, like yeah, he was, he was. I didn't know how it started, ready to go. Um, but uh, Baba Booey, uh, yeah. But anyway. <laughs> Yeah, a scientific. He map. does skate videos, pilot inspector. Of course, pilot inspector. Fair play to him. Yeah, yeah, this is um, great. I know that the most annoying ones are Greg Barron. I'm sorry, Greg, if you can hear me. I'm sorry. <laughs> I am sorry, but your your child's names are the most embarrassing names. Just let me check. Um, if they're the ones I'm thinking of, um, because uh, I know Pendulettes is Moxie Crime Fighter, right? <laughs> no. Um, yeah, Moxie Crime Fighter. Um, See, there's a line. Uh, I think that went over it. I don't think that's good. Moxie Crime Fighter and, yeah, Greg Barrent is Mighty Luna. Mm. Um, and Bella True. Bella True is just like, sounds like a song by that in the keys to Gramercy Park band. Um, like, <laughs> Deadsy? In this house, what a song! We celebrate. Yeah, no, I love Denzi. So, should should you watch this movie, Sean? Should it be watched? I don't think so. I mean, like, there's stuff. There's stuff. It's an objectively evil movie, which I always think is interesting. Yeah, but it's it's and it's quick. It's the the credits are ten minutes long, and and the film with credits is ninety eight minutes. 89 minutes. Who is it? 89 minutes. The credits are... Yeah, yeah. it it is like it may be a movie that has long credits, so that way it counts for awards season, like uh, Master (laughs) of Disguise. 
yeah, 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 very much, yeah, um, uh, very much the, uh, yeah. Tom Cruise or Tom Cruise, Jesus. Uh, John Travolta's character very much the pistachio disguisey. Uh, um, <laughs> I do long. actually think, but you are correct that it is like the pacing is fine, and there's a couple odd, interesting things that happen. Uh, I think you're underselling how much everyone needs to watch this because of the inexplicable three minute scene where John Travolta has fallen asleep underneath his child's bed then wakes up, tries to escape, and ends up wanting to take a selfie with yeah. a sleeping yeah. uh, Devin Sawa. Yeah, and each time he's about to leave, he goes back to do something else inexplicable that could wake him up, up to and including turning on the TV and setting an alarm to wake up. There's Stuff something... Like that's why, the, why the French love Jerry Lee Lewis, you know. Also, I said the pacing was bad. Don't misrepresent. All that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said it was quick. You said it was yeah, quick. Yeah, yeah, well, that's not pacing. That's duration, Anthony. <laughs> it's, it's, oh God. Um, yeah, but anyway, yes. Yeah, it does finish. Right. But yes, it, he, there is there are scenes that feel almost improvised in a way that, in a way that now characterizes 2000s comedy. Where it's like, wow, Judd was just letting you flap it all out there. I Judd, guess. letting him rip. <laughs> yeah, uh, let's shoot, let's shoot a few of these. Um, the guy from the, the guy from Party Down is on fire. I guess um, <laughs> Chola uh, Trulio is out here whipping <laughs> ass, popping heads here. What is unbelievable? What if the state was funny stuff? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, well, you 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 bastards! What a, what a good one. Um, we do have music to talk about. I mean, should we attempt that? What do well, we I think? Didn't even, I didn't even. I have to say, right? Okay, I, I didn't even listen. I wouldn't even gratify this with a listen. Right? This is the, <laughs> the, the, the this is the the remix, the Timberland remix, with uh, Bubble Bubble Sparks to his to his to his tax man, but Bubble Sparks to friends. Um, <laughs> yes, uh, yes. But yeah, Bob Arnold. <laughs> Bob Arnold. Um, you know what? I really love "Ugly" by Bubba Sparks as well. That's like one of my favorite songs ever. Amazing and, song! Oh yeah. And, um, Let's be I, honest, none of us will ever date a model. Fuck it, break a bottle. That's, that's incredible, genuinely incredible song. And Bubba yeah. Dyson, I know he was smiling. Like, just that is such a hard fucking song. Yeah, <laughs> like, it is. Uh, yeah, ain't it something? Yeah, the, it, like, and then oh, this just sounds like Missy Elliott on a tractor. So at the end of the music video, here comes Missy Elliott on a tractor. Yes. Um, yeah, no, I, I love it. But I think it's great that like it's like. Bubba Sparks, objectively very exciting, and a white rapper, just like Fred Durst, makes sense for collaboration. Timbaland, yeah. still at the time, one of the most exciting producers in the game. Limp Biscuit, very, very popular, kind of weird sounding band. Surely, surely, this could this could only yield at least something interesting. And a song it's impossible to even get through. It's so bad. Like, <laughs> like just a t- without interest, without merit, without anything to even talk about. Just a fucking like, like a, a, a like just a, a wet like not even a wet fart like a, an attempted fart. But like when you <laughs> when you pay to use a public bathroom and then there was no reason to. That's the song. <laughs> like you know, here oh, I, hell yeah. Here, here That's the most uh, European thing a guest has ever said is uh, mentioning <laughs> a pay toilet as if we don't just force people to go on the street and then arrest them for it in America. <laughs> Uh, well, that's what we do here in Dublin. There's no, there's almost no bathrooms because all the American tech companies own Dublin now. It's great, but oh, um, beautiful. But well, yeah, yeah, if you no, want to get incorporated, you got to do it there. I tell that's you what, I, I Germany. I, I'm over in Germany now for work sometimes, and um, 
they those people they know toilets and i know the big stereotype with them is they love shit and everything but they respect it too they yeah. love they love toilets and that's why it has the shelf yeah it's 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 just they're just they just know what they're doing and um and and it's 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 paying and it's cleaned like every 15 seconds and if anybody does anything weird like 18 stern people will immediately make their life miserable um but uh no, it's 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 a, it's if you're if you're somebody who always needs to know where the bathroom is, go on holiday to Berlin. You'll have a great time. You'll be Anthony. You'll you'll love it over there. Fantastic. Um, all right, then. So that's what we're gonna go out on here. Uh, and, you know, I think can this we was... go out on actually as a musical request. Can we go out on the Matt Penfield thing? Yes, of course. <laughs> no problem. Yeah. It's another song. Help help me yeah. source it. Like the end of the end of. Um, <laughs> Significant other is, is yeah, what it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Saying the significant other. Yeah. Fast forward through nine minutes of silence. Oh, and wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and again, a, a, a secret, you know, Les Claypool collabo or something. And then yes, my pen Yes. Uh, All right. That's that's it. I mean, Sean, fucking thank you as always you. coming on this podcast. We we love having you. This this was your idea, and it was an incredible one. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but, <laughs> thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Oh, it was wonderful. And with that, Anthony, what do we do? Look into these eyes. We free max B. We're out.
catch a ride. Now they eager to catch the vibe. And this ain't a team rebelling. This shit is an act of pride. Used to come out the play and tell me get back inside. Now I'm at full strength and your weakness is magnified. I recall so clearly, bet as I sat beside. Saying, Andy, please stop blowing up as a fact of life. But now I'm back home. She saying I ain't act ride. But after TRL, I'm stubborn to rationalize. Not like it really matters, but in a sense it does. Wasn't with me in the struggle. Yet you pretend you was. And in my absence, found another friend you love. Hope he tastes a little bumper every time he sends you love. And again, who is he? Who's the newest friend you love? There's been plenty in between us, Lucy Goosey in the club. But you should know me, no Poochie Woochie in my blood. I'm with you, Hef and Freddy, Goofy Goofy in it all. Hey, it's the Bald Man, and I'm here to tell you why the new Limp Biscuit album is so important. That's because CDs like this one spare you from all the chart-topping, teeny-bobbing, disposable, happy horseshit that brings up the bile from the back of my neck. I have no time or tolerance for all shitty, whack acts like that. I wouldn't piss on their CDs to put out a fire. I'm tired of all those lame-ass, team-ass, prefabricated, sorry excuses for singers and musicians who don't even write their own songs. What the world needs now is a musical revolution. We need some rock. We need something that has balls. We need something with substance, depth, something with soul, some edge, some passion, some power. Shit, if it's going to be mellow, fuck, man. It better have something. It better mean something. I'm telling you, you got to hit them with something hard. You gotta stick them with something limp, like Limp Biscuit. I'm so fucking tired of the shit that I'm hearing on the radio. Radio sucks. The same fucking songs over and over again. All the weak ones, all that disposable crap that isn't gonna matter in three months. It's just shit. It's crap, Fred. Fred, I'm telling you, there's nothing but shit going on, and we need some new music. Limp Biscuit is fucking cool. You guys are cool. The new record's great. But fuck all that other shit. I'm so sick of all that weak shit that's yeah, taking up down. space on the up? charts. Fuck that shit, bro. I'm out of here. Fuck, dude. Fucking Pinfield is pissed. Oh, man. I gotta go find that bald bastard. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.